0: This is episode 196 of the Mora for June 25th, 2016. Welcome, listeners, back to another episode of Alohomora. Currently, MuggleNet.com's global reread of the Harry Potter school books, and we are on our last episode of the last school book. I'm Michael Harley.
1: I'm Lauren Littler. I'm Shannon Mickelson. Our guest this week is Megan Foster. Megan, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, um, I am a Ravenclaw. And I live in San Francisco. Yes, I'm. I am sitting here in my Bell is a Ravenclaw shirt. My, um, I was going to wear my Snitch earrings. Oh no, I am still wearing them. I thought they might interfere with my headphones and cause sound, but apparently not. Um, I've got my Ravenclaw mug that I got at the Wizarding World, and I have my Ravenclaw water bottle.
0: I'm very Ravenclaw today. Um. Oh, my goodness. I love that you're wearing snitch earrings. Yes. And if we do hear them, that's fine. It's just the little fluttering of snitch wings, right? Yes. That's perfect. <laughs> that's perfect for today's episode. Yeah. And, Megan, what is, what is, can you briefly kind of summarize for us your history with Harry Potter?
2: Yeah. So, I am one of those people who saw the movies first. Oh, you're one of those yeah, people. Yeah, I'm one of those people. <laughs> I am. Um, I saw the movies first for the most part. I um, I grew up in a Christian home, and it was kind of that, you know, the initial reaction of, oh, witchcraft, stay away, it's evil. And then my dad actually <laughs> saw the first two movies on a flight back from Scotland on a business trip. Oh. And as soon as he saw them, he was like, oh, no, 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 these are fine. And so he oh. immediately rented them when we got back, and my brother and I watched them with him, and just, you know, of course, instant love. And then I just sort of waited to read the books because I kind of wanted to keep liking the movies. <laughs> and so I waited uh... and waited. <laughs> I know, I'm weird. I'm so weird. <laughs> but so when I when I finally got to my senior year in high school, it was a couple months away from the last, or, um, from Deathly Hallows Part 1. And I was like, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I need to read them now because I definitely want to be able to go to midnight release for the Deadly Hallows movies. So I can't be worried about spoilers. So I read them and <laughs> I don't know how, but I had managed to make it all the way there without any idea what was going to happen in book seven. I The only spoiler I, well, I ever oh, wow. came across was that Dumbledore died. Not that Snape killed Dumbledore, just that Dumbledore died. Huh.
3: <laughs> That's the only I don't
2: know how how I managed that, other than just every time people started talking, I was like, oh, "Wait, no, 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 I haven't read them. Stop!" But yeah, <laughs> now I've been to wow. two leaky cons, and um, yeah, actually, I met you at um, leaky con twenty fourteen in Orlando, Michael, and we talked for like an you... hour after the podcast. <laughs> Oh, you're that Megan!
3: Yeah, hi. Oh,
0: oh my God, <laughs> oh. listeners! Megan did not tell me. this. This is like the second time this has happened to me, where a listener does not tell me, and until like like the very end or the very beginning as we're recording, the catch me by surprise. I don't. It's always so pleasant. Oh my gosh! Yes, <laughs> Megan, I totally. That is so great that you are that Megan because uh-huh. I like I have the I have the picture that we took together. Oh yeah. Oh, um, um.
2: When, uh, were you Lupin and I was TARDIS? Or was that before I changed into my TARDIS? I think
0: you, yeah, you hadn't, you hadn't gotten into your costume yet. I was Lupin. Because yes. it was, like, right after the panel. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, after that, I was just, like, I couldn't... I couldn't find you online anywhere oh, to like no. show you that we took the picture. So I was like, oh no, I don't have, I don't know who this girl was. And it was funny because I didn't even know your name because like I could just see your LeakyCon yeah. name tag, but it was like sh- too shiny in yep. the picture. Yep. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, that is fantastic. Oh my gosh. I'm so, oh, I don't even, I can't continue with this show now, you guys, because I'm just Oh no, I you. <laughs> well and uh yeah there's there, it's worth noting listeners um we i i am kind of the one i i am the probably only regular familiar voice you recognize this week because i have some very helpful hands with me first of all i'd like to introduce uh lauren littler uh Hello. One of our newest interns at muggle net lauren can you mm-hmm. tell us just a little bit about yourself and your ho- hogwarts house that's always important
4: well i'm a loud and proud hufflepuff hey <laughs> i swear my heart beats golden black <laughs>
0: <laughs> truly
4: see isn't that always the way somebody asks you something about yourself and you just go blank
0: and you're yes. like who am i
4: <laughs> existential crisis right right now everybody it's okay uh Well, that's the only thing I know at the moment. I am a Hufflepuff.
0: Which which, which Harry Potter book is your favorite?
4: Oh, no, that's asking which one of my fur babies is my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I will always have a love for the Sorcerer's Stone because it was not only the first Harry Potter book that I read, but it was... Also, I was also the only one in my elementary school who was reading Harry Potter or who knew about Harry Potter, and I remember trying to talk about it, and everybody was looking at me like I was crazy.
0: Oh, check you out, Lauren. You were... <laughs> d- now, <laughs> we're going to get into some stuff about jumping on bandwagons later in the show. <laughs> you are not one of those people. Clearly. I'm impressed.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
3: But and, uh, then one day mm-hmm.
4: I go to my backpack and it's and my copy of Sorcerer Stone is gone. Somebody stole it out of my backpack and I never saw it again. What? Oh my God. So that's why oh. I oh. love the Sorcerer's Stone because it has that extra special place in my heart of somebody wanted to read this enough, they stole it from me.
0: We have to make like a, have you seen this book poster? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I
4: should have thought (laughs) of that. And everybody will be like,
1: yeah, I have seen that book. (laughs) It's like the biggest bestseller ever. (laughs) She
0: she might have had like a, she was so early to the party. She might have had like a, like a first edition or something like that. So we, we want to thank you though, Lauren, for, for stepping in. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Happy to help. We also have to say a big hello to Shannon Mickelson. Yay, Shannon. Yay. Yay. Listeners, a lot of you listeners have been jumping back and forth between Alohomora and our other spot, our other podcast with Shannon Host. Shannon, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and that podcast you're on?
1: Uh, well, I'm on Speak Beastie, uh, where we talk about fantastic beasts and where to find them. Uh, the movie, the book, mm. whatever, uh, we come up with some uh, slim main discussion topics. There's not a lot going on. Uh, I personally am a Ravenclaw. And uh, what else about my Harry Potter experience? I also met Michael at a Con,
3: <laughs> <laughs> So
1: <laughs> that's just a theme. I got into Harry Potter because uh, my sister got the book from the Tooth Fairy.
0: Oh wow! You had a generous Tooth Fairy fairy. gave
1: you (laughs) books. I know that Tooth Fairy. (sighs) My sister likes to tell the story because, (laughs) oh, she got it from the Tooth Fairy, and she the only the first two books were out, and she finished reading it, and she was like, "Mom, there's a sequel," and Mom was like, "Oh my gosh." It's in the office. Here it is. <laughs> and then I really didn't care about them because I was a baby. And then Aww. they kept trying to read them to me, and I was like, "This is boring." And then, in the gap between *Goblet of Fire* and *Order of the Phoenix*, they finally got me into them. Mom read the, all the books aloud to me.
2: So Aww. those are the best memories.
0: But, well and you know while while Shannon just said that the news has been a little dry for a fantastic beast make sure listeners to tune into the upcoming episodes cuz we just got a lot of nice stuff yeah. um, as just just uh, prior to recording this episode so just to sure.
1: just today though not yesterday
0: <laughs> yeah. Not so much at VidCon, but we've already got our anger about that out. Yeah. If you would like to explore that more, check out Speak Beastie's uh YouTube. It's a fun <laughs> time. <laughs> but uh Lauren, maybe you could remind our listeners what we will be focusing on for today's episode.
4: Absolutely, Michael. Uh this episode we're going to be going through. Chapter 7 through 10 of Quidditch Through the Ages by Kenilworthy Wisp, right? Is that how you pronounce it?
0: That's exactly how you pronounce it.
4: Sounds right to me. Oh,
3: yes!
0: Actually, I think it's pronounced J.K. (laughs) Rowling, but it appears like Kenilworthy (laughs) Wisp. Joanne
1: Kenilworthy (laughs) Wisp.
2: There we go. (laughs) That's it. That's what the K really stands for.
0: Very nice. (laughs) So
4: be sure to read the chapters before our dis- listening to our discussion, and uh, kick it right over to you, Michael.
0: Thank you, because I, we want to make sure and uh, let our listeners know that this episode is sponsored by Jolene Wilson on Patreon. Everybody, give a claps for Jolene Wilson. <laughs> claps for Jolene Wilson. <laughs> Thank yes. you so much, Jolene, for helping keeping uh, to keep Alohomora going. And you, yes, you, listeners, can become a sponsor of Alohomora for a li- as little as $1 a month. We keep releasing such special little tidbits, uh, exclusive tidbits for our sponsors on Patreon. Uh, previous tidbits have included a dramatic reading by me, of uh, the tale of the three brothers and uh, as well as some dramatic readings of fairy tales um, that we have talked about on the show as read by Rosie in a actual genuine British accent. Uh, and so those are some fantastic perks and there will be more coming, um, as, uh, we have announced before we recently hit our $400 goal on Patreon, which means that Rosie and I are going to be looking at, uh, doing some let's play videos for Mora based on the Harry Potter video games. Uh, so thanks to you, the listeners that's possible. And if you haven't heard your name um, said on the show yet, we have a lot of sponsors that have been helping us out. Do not worry, we have plenty more shows to go and you will hear your name on an episode. So we thank you again, Patreon sponsors, and thank you again to Jolene Wilson for helping us out. And with that, we move into our main discussion on Quidditch Through the Ages. Chapter seven through ten. Ooh. <laughs> Get out your brooms, ladies. What? What? Now, okay. Important question: What brooms do we all own?
1: Well, here's a funny story. I. <laughs> this is literally true, though. I had a Nimbus two thousand, and it broke. And my oh. parents got me a Firebolt. Oh!
2: <laughs> oh. You win.
1: You win. <laughs> <laughs> so that's.
0: Kind of amazing. <laughs>
1: I don't have them here with me though. I got to drive I... to work. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah.
0: I personally have a. Um, it's not official, but my parents bought um, quite a few years ago this very nice, like sleek broom with an orange, kind of like an orangish goldish handle, and like a, and it had like a, a like a rubber grip black grip on it so that it was like comfortable to sweep with and I was like, it's a fireball. <laughs> so <laughs> I have a fireball back home in Albuquerque. But I am currently broomless. I might have to look at investing in like a clean sweep because I'm poor. <laughs> oh. So and I could probably only afford a clean sweep right now. So Yeah,
4: clean sweeps are pretty good.
0: Yeah, yes. Yeah, they're not the league uses them, right? I like the so, Exactly. Original. That's right. But uh what's what we're going to start with is uh exploring some teams, some quidditch teams in chapter 7, quidditch teams of Britain and Ireland. So the important thing to note about the quidditch teams of Britain and Ireland is that this league was established in 1674 and there are only 13 teams because the Ministry and the International... Um, I believe it was the International Confederation of Wizards decided that uh, to make sure that the Muggles didn't notice Quidditch going on, they had to restrict the number of league teams. So there are 13 teams in the British and Irish leagues. And we start with... Uh, Ken, Mr. Wisp has been very kind enough to list them all in alphabetical order. So we start with... The Apple, the Applebee arrows. And by the way, uh, ladies, feel free when we if we get to your favorite British and or Irish team, shout it out if you if you if you're the if you're a fan because it's always good to know who's a fan of what. Uh, so we start with the Applebee arrows. No cheers for the Applebee arrows. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love the alliteration, but they no. all kind of do alliteration so. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> they were founded in 1612. They are most famous for a the 1932 defeat of the Vrasta, the Vrast, is it the Vastra or Vast, Vrasta, Vrasta vultures, vultures, the the Bulgarian Quidditch team. Um, in 1932, uh, they used to shoot arrows magically out of their wands whenever their chasers scored a goal uh this practice was finally banned uh in 1894 so it went on for quite a while Um, (laughs) when the when a referee for their match uh nugent Nugent? Potts, was pierced through the nose by one of their arrows i mean
2: lucky Um, it was just the nose i guess
0: I would not want to be a Quidditch referee. No, they do have the worst (laughs) job ever.
2: Oh
4: my gosh!
0: (laughs) But uh, uh, really, though, by Wizarding standards, that's a pretty minor injury. True, actually, true. (laughs) Just by Quidditch (laughs) standards, (laughs) (laughs) true, very true. Uh, They are known for their rivalry rivalry. Ooh, words are hard. They are, it's okay. (laughs) You were
1: just adding to the upcoming alliteration.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's it. They they are known for their rivalry with the Wimborne Wasps, which of course we know is Ludo Bagman's former team, but we'll get to the Wasps a little later and we will find out exactly what that rivalry is. Um, Next up, the Ballycastle Bats.
3: Yay! Uh,
0: <laughs> All right, we have a fan. I guess we have a fan here. Yes, we do. <laughs> the Ballycastle Bats are mainly known for their mascot, Barney the Fruit Bat, who is famous for his appearances in Butterbeer. Ads. I love that. It's so and real. funny
4: enough, that is exactly why I love them.
0: <laughs> I mean, Butterbeer is a good well, reason. I mean... <laughs> Any, any, any fan who is a, 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 a consumer of Butterbear right, would enjoy <laughs> the Valley Castle Bats. Uh, that's pretty much their big claim to fame. They have won the Quidditch League a total of 27 times at the time of Mr. Wisps' book's writing. Um, they, are the mo- they are the second most successful league um, in, or in the league's history, rather. Um, but really, everybody mostly knows them for Barney the Fruit Bat. Uh, let's see. Upstairs the next team bat. we got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the team. Next, uh, next yeah, team great. we got. But the bat. But the bat. But, but the mascot. The
3: bat. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> I
0: just see um, the
1: the bat from Anastasia.
4: Oh my Honestly. gosh! Oh, yes. oh no. <laughs> no! I can't unsee it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm trying to make sure I, I pronounce. I I, I want to say that the town's name is Carfilly. I'm, that's probably I'm wrong. Carefully?
2: That's, I,
0: whoa, carefully, carefully, <laughs> carefully,
3: carefully.
0: I watched a video. Oh my gosh! If that's how it's pronounced, time. I love it. <laughs> I watched a that's video amazing. to make sure I pronounced it right, and I kind of think I forgot it. I want to say it was Carfilly. Um the Carfilly catapults who were founded in 1402. Now, we talked about this individual who they are famous for last week. This is the team that had player Dangerous Di Llewellyn. Um, <clears throat> and sadly, the fate of uh, Dangerous Di Llewellyn was that he was eaten by a chimera while on holiday Ouch. in Greece. That is a very Oh yeah. That's, horrible that's a
2: Gryffindor-worthy that is... death. Definitely. Yeah. I don't know what fantasy is, but... <laughs>
0: As a uh, expert of Fantastic Beasts, mm-hmm. uh, can you tell us just a tad bit about Chimeras? Nope. Pagan. <laughs> <Fabulous. laughs> Alrighty. <laughs> Alright. Since I don't have my copy of Fantastic Beasts right next to me, no, Google
1: across the room. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so far away. Ah, yes. Okay. So a Chimera or a Chimaera, depending on I guess how you choose to pronounce it, um, <laughs> is a magical beast with the head of a lion the body of what is it a goat yeah and the tail of a something horrible oh a dragon or a bird oh is i guess what their their well, tail usually is um i thought it might
4: i thought it ended in a snake's head
0: a snake's head okay you know what now i'm getting up i'm getting oh up oh my yeah.
4: god <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think chimera can yeah, be used to just refer to like a beast that is multiple creatures of any kind,
4: all pieced be. together via magics or something. Yeah, I think the word can be used that way. Um, as long as it's monstrous, fire-breathing hybrid.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, mm-hmm. Newt's commander, help us out. Yay, Newt! Hooray! Yay, Newt! He's way cooler Ooh.
1: than Kennelworthy Wisp. Just so.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, a chimera. So Shannon will immediately know the meaning of this. The Ministry of Magic classification is five X's. That's bad. Oh. Is dangerous. <laughs> Don't mess with the chimera. Um, it is a rare Greek monster with a lion's head, a goat's body, and a dragon's tail. Vicious and bloodthirsty. The chimera is extremely dangerous. There's only one known instance of the successful slaying of a chimera, and the unlucky wizard concerned fell to his death from his winged horse shortly afterwards, exhausted by his efforts. Oh, wow. (laughs) <laughs> Chimera eggs are classified as grade A non-tradable goods, and as Harry and Ron noted at the bottom, so Hagrid will be getting one any <laughs> <laughs> Yep, yep. So true. But yeah, I'm pretty
1: <laughs> sure in mythology it can be just a creature made up of a bunch of different kinds of creatures, but it's usually yeah. like a lion, a goat, and a snake.
2: Yeah, I know. Okay. I think um, so.
4: That's what I'm seeing <clears> over here in the Greek mythology.
2: Yeah, right. well, and I know, like, there's, um, if has watched Full Metal Alchemist... There's definitely a chimera in that series. No. So and it was it was kind Ooh. of like yeah, lion's head. Not Nina. Dog's body and a little girl, which was horrible. No. It was so horrible. Anyway, that's, that's let's terrible. move on. God, I hated that part. No. <laughs> terrible.
0: <laughs> <Bad>. <laughs> and uh poor uh dangerous in at least his uh, sacrifice wasn't for naught. He, the first floor ward of St. Mungo's, as we discovered in Order of the Phoenix, was named after him, and fittingly, <laughs> it treats creature-induced injuries. <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't pro- do a
1: very good job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, kind of, uh, not exactly fitting, considering that being eaten chimera- by a chimera is not really something treatable. Not at, really. Uh, hospital. Um... <laughs> The, as Quidditch Through the Ages reveals, there is also the Dangerous Die Commemorative Medal Award for players who commit the most exciting and or foolhardy risks during the league season.
1: Because that's what we want to encourage. I mean, wizards. I think, absolutely
0: Wizards would. Right? I know. Yeah, they, they <laughs> have no regard for personal
2: safety.
3: Very yeah. little.
0: Well, and I think we get the sense in this second half of the book... That especially by like modern times of Quidditch, there's kind of a need for the game to be visually exciting. So it's kind of like, well, you guys are getting paid to do this, so maybe you should do something interesting while you do it, I guess is the idea. So now
4: my question is Would Harry be awarded that one if he were ever to become a pro player? Yes.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I figured. <laughs> would, would, he, would he get I bonus mean, points for all of his reckless behavior in the fight against Voldemort that's what I wonder because Ooh. I mean you know maybe it's not all in, a, in the game but like he's just a reckless guy so technically it says if it's during the season ah, <laughs> oh,
0: dang it <laughs> so if you're fighting dark wizards
2: wow. <laughs> while playing Did on the, the league season team in the season <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Uh, we're on the run from Voldemort, but let's go to this game now. I got, I got to be in this game, guys.
0: Hey, he did go to the Quidditch <laughs> World Cup in, yeah. in true. Like, you know, nineteen ninety four. So it's not beyond the realm of possibility. A
2: lot of
1: exciting stuff happened at his Quidditch games.
0: That <laughs> That's I'm
4: sure. Not that normal. is very
2: true. Yep.
0: Do you do you think do you think that Ginny would have ever won the Dangerous Die mm, medal? Maybe during her eh, career.
2: Maybe.
1: But she, like, well, she, she would like do something cool on purpose.
2: Yeah. Well, I feel like she's yeah. more like pragmatic and, than Harry. Yeah. Like she would do yeah. something Harry reckless do if like, and, like she was really confident she could do it and just exactly. you know just, just be like, yeah, I did. Harry that, does so. it
4: by accident. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Harry
4: Harry's flying by like, the seat I of his guess pants. I ate a snitch. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I guess my arm's broken. <laughs>
3: that was his fault.
0: <laughs> Man, so the so Harry, if he were to join the team, I guess he would have probably joined the Carfilly Catapults because they just it just fits with the risk taking that they are known for doing. Uh, now, a team that we are all. Tragically familiar with <laughs> <laughs> the Chudley Cannons. Bless their little hearts. Bless uh, them. <clears throat> yes. There, we don't have a founding date for them, but their golden days ended in 1892. That was probably not when not they long. were founded. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> well, they no. Ow. Not so, because they yeah. did, They, did. I believe they had won over 20 games in the league by that point, right? I think
1: so. Which is a pretty good oh. number. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, that was a nice streak. So That's I can kind of streak. see why everybody's waiting for the good old days to come back. <laughs> um, as we know, it is Ron's favorite team. <laughs> Sadly, their motto changed from, We shall conquer to, Let's all just keep our fingers crossed and hope for the
3: best. <laughs> I love the
2: motto! It's so great! <laughs> That motto is amazing. I think that's a pretty good motto.
4: Yeah. I you mean, know, doesn't that just cover the theme of the seventh book?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's just
2: I, wing it and hope it all works out. I kind uh. of
4: feel
0: like you know, I was thinking about this in terms of, you know, Ron. And it's really it it's it says a lot about his character and it is quite fitting that he is a Chudley Cannons fan, right?
2: He's a fan of the underdog.
0: Yeah, because he is the underdog, but that's his little heart, little (laughs) red-headed heart.
2: (laughs) And
1: they're orange and he's got red hair. It just, yeah, it had to happen. Well, there's that,
0: too. <laughs> if we're looking for surface reasons, yes. yeah, I suppose that helps, too. I love there's some reference
2: in one of the books, something about he got, like, a Chudley Cannon's hat and it clashed gloriously with his yeah, hair or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, oh, Joe.
4: Yeah, he got that for Christmas one year. From yeah. Hillary. What was
2: That's it, right. like, fourth or fifth That's year? Right. Wouldn't have
0: been fifth. Yeah, I don't
4: know. I think it was the fourth year. That would make sense. Yeah, Maybe the third fourth or fourth.
2: Yeah. I don't know.
0: So many Christmases, so many good presents.
1: Yes. That are never mentioned again. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Firebolt? That gets mentioned again. (laughs) All right,
4: that's true. Well, yeah, that just steals all the glory.
0: (laughs) And the Chudley Cannons at least can say that they got a shout-out from Dumbledore in the introduction to Quidditch Through the Ages. I mean, true. But uh, not in the most flattering way, considering that Dumbledore, uh, as many have said, pretty much reminded us that they will never, ever win um so the good days are gone keep keep on trucking chudley cannons as far as we know from the current information they still have not won and i believe <laughs> Rowling told somebody because somebody asked her will the chudley cannons ever ever win and i think she said something along the lines of oh bless they'll never win unless they completely change their entire team lineup. <gasps> oh. so, and, drink, and she also said unless they also drink a lot of felix felices which of course we know is not legal so,
4: not legal in a game atmosphere.
0: Nope, not gonna happen. But uh speaking of a uh, the let's going to the opposite end of things. We have the Foulmouth Falcons, not the Foulmouth, <laughs> listeners. Foulmouth, foul. although they are quite foul, foul. in their <laughs> playing tactics. They are uh, known as very hard players in the game of quidditch, mostly thanks to beaters Kevin and Carl Broadmore. Who caused the team fourteen suspensions (laughs) between 1958 to 1969? Um, Their motto, fittingly, is quite a bit of the opposite of the Canons. A little more confident. Let us win, but if we cannot win, let us break a few heads.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. I. That is fantastic. True.
0: True poetry.
2: I mean, I think the the mottos are becoming my favorite part of this whole list. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because Joe is know, so great, right? just these like clever little like you know. <laughs> Let's just keep our fingers crossed Ridiculous and hope for the best. Moments. Let us win, but if we cannot win, <laughs> let us break a few heads.
0: <laughs> now I'm expecting a few cheers for this particular team, the Holyhead Harpies. Woo!
3: <laughs> Woo!
0: Founded in 1203. That was a long time. It is. Interesting wow. date considering that they have always been and appears always will be an all-female Quidditch team. Yeah.
3: Girl power. Yeah.
0: Major cling to fame. Yeah. I, I, w- I did find it interesting that they were founded in 1203 and that ostensibly that practice has been in place since yeah. then because 1203 was not exactly the time that you would think an all-female Quidditch team would be. Yeah. Not really, no.
2: Well,
4: that's true, but like you guys were mentioning in the Previous um, Episode It does seem that The wizards don't really Care about gender At
2: least not as much
4: But unless it's Quidditch Which you did mention So I think this was just them fighting back Against the the males of the time Which were saying like No females on Quidditch teams Well screw you we'll go form our own team
0: I'm Pretty in love with that idea so that's so take that mr wisp after last week (laughs) being all like beaters beaters usually aren't women because they need to be strong so no i beat him (laughs) (laughs) yeah
3: let's get all the like
2: female beaters who've been on the harpies and just go and beat him (laughs) (laughs)
0: it's like
2: what do you mean we're not strong enough (laughs)
0: they are not only the only all-female quidditch team in the league they are considered to have played quote the finest quidditch game ever seen back in 1953 against the heidelberg harriers i believe their name was
2: what is harriers
0: harriers where's that yeah harriers Harriers. where did that argo harriers the heidelberg harriers
4: I'm like, pretty sure that's the German national mm-hmm. team. Yes,
0: yes. I believe they'll be coming up later. So, yes. What is the, the
4: finest Quidditch game ever seen?
0: It was Apparently. fine. Like,
4: what? Yeah. <laughs> what about it, it? I'm guessing really great I know slime. we all need that, those details.
2: Did, like, nobody die? <laughs> well, it was 1953, <laughs> so I think it was probably
4: bit. No, I know. No referees disappeared. <laughs> no referees disappeared. No
2: injuries.
4: No I fouls.
0: Would, I would say that by the wizarding standard, the finest Quidditch game would be probably one of the most exciting, edge of your seat, mm-hmm. entertaining. Quidditch yeah. Games. yeah, with some really fantastic flying. That's what I assume.
4: Well, seeing yeah. as how it is in the more modern yeah. setting, yeah, it would have to be the most thrilling <clears> one <throat> ever seen.
0: Yeah, right, You know, I know she. I, I I know she hates writing Quidditch, but Joe if you if you ever are bored someday you're looking for something to do we we wouldn't mind hearing about this quidditch match
4: I yes. This Quidditch match would be the Quidditch match to hear about. A Quidditch <laughs> movie about the Hollyhead Harpies, just say. That would
2: be awesome.
0: Woo! That would be kind
4: I of. am so on board for that.
1: 1950s Hollyhead oh, Harpies preparing for the finest Quidditch game ever oh, seen. Oh my
2: gosh. Oh, I
1: need
3: this <laughs> in my life. I am oh my gosh. So oh. on board for
1: that? They could, like, <laughs> practice Quidditch in their yes. 50s dresses. <laughs>
0: that would
4: be so great. That be so oh, my gosh, cute. that would be so amazing.
0: We want this movie so bad. Oh, so
4: bad. Oh my gosh, you didn't know yep. I wanted it until yep. you told me about
0: it. <laughs> we we actually have some finer details, too, about uh, this team. Ooh. They were previously captained by Gwenog Jones, who was born in 1968 and is currently still alive. Um, as we know about Gwenog, she uh, played Uh, one of the beater positions on the Holyhead Harpies team. But as of 2014, she retired and became the manager of the team. She is also uh, infamous for potentially being the reason that the International Confederation of Wizards Quidditch Committee banned what they refer to as managerial trash
3: talking. Oh, what? (laughs) (laughs)
0: She is known for her mouth and for her threats uh she our last canon sighting of her uh was she was in custody after attempting to curse the face off of Brazil's team manager Jose Barbosa who had referred to his her team as a bunch of hags Oh uh, was
2: that the part so. where thing where JK Rowling was doing the World totally. Cup like updates throughout oh, okay yes oh
0: yes fun, yes mm-hmm.
2: that was so Ooh. wonderful.
0: Can we
4: just have a movie about Gwyneth
0: Jones? (laughs) (laughs) She does sound pretty cool. Although Hermione did note in Half-Blood Prince that she seemed a little full of herself. But as we know, Hermione's not very interested in Solitaire. Unless they're
1: Gildor and Lockhart. Or
0: Or Quidditch. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, it is also worth noting that Miss Ginny Weasley previously played Chaser for the... Holyhead Harpies after her time at Hogwarts. Of course, she is now, currently, a Quidditch correspondent for the Daily Prophet. Um, but yeah, she did have tenure for a little bit as a chaser for the Holyhead Harpies. Uh, and we move on to the Kenmare Crestrels. Uh, I'm going to get rid of this question at the beginning because I realize why that's not relevant. But! what's <laughs> What's interesting about them is that their keeper and captain Darren O'Hare was credited with the Hawkshead attacking Hawkshead, rather, attacking formation, uh, which we will see a little bit about in chapter ten when we look at some Quidditch moves. Um the Kemmer Kestrels, it's potent it's potentially possible. Now this is a question that because <laughs> I don't understand sports. <laughs> That's important to lay out. And what I kind of slowly realized is that League teams do not go into international. League teams usually what it, I what it would appear to ha- what would appear to happen is that players from league teams are chosen to form an international team, and that international team is is made to represent in the international hmm. Quidditch World Cup.
4: So, I'm pretty sure that's huh. what happens in Quidditch, at least. Yes, because I don't know sports either.
0: <laughs> that that would seem to be the case because otherwise. It would seem that the Kenmare Kestrels were actually the players in Goblet of Fire because Leprechauns Mm. are their mascot. But uh, it does not appear to be the the case because when we get into kind of player names and discrepancies between the uh, league teams versus international Mm. teams for Quidditch World Cup, they don't line up. Um, and Quidditch World Cup, the video game also implies that, uh, the players are sourced from these league teams. Um, so you, you kind of build your, your team based on what you see from the league teams is I'm assuming how it goes. Maybe our listeners who know the sport yeah. can, uh, help us out with that. Cause I don't know. Me the sport either. It's well, okay. So sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh well. Yay, Score the go points, do the team. thing. So <laughs>
2: Oh wait, well, no, before we go <laughs> on, I'd just like to point out Um so the the, the 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 Kenmare Kestrels they're they're known for the Lepron displays and the accomplished harp playing of their supporters. So so just gathering at a Quidditch game you bring harps and <laughs> play harps? Like that is just the most random tidbit and I love it. And it just it needs to be acknowledged
0: hey
4: that's amazing true.
0: sports peeps are hardcore yes. that's one thing i do know about sports is, that, is yeah. that the audience I'm, I'm, gets very as i've said
2: in i'm, I'm in san francisco it. and we've so. been, there's been a lot of warriors craziness going on because they were almost going to win and meanwhile i was just kind of like okay <laughs> When should I leave so that I can avoid the warrior's traffic?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? At least that's one nice thing about leaving a Quidditch game is no traffic, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, just everybody operates away.
0: (laughs) Nice and easy. Yep. Uh, But we go on to the Montrose Magpies, who are most famous for their players, who basically uh, wants Quidditch to be more challenging.
4: Uh, (laughs) 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 So great.
0: Eunice Murray died 1942. Eunice campaigned for a faster snitch because this is just too easy. <laughs> uh, also famously, <clears throat> Hamish like McFarlane, captain from 1957 to 68 later, became head of the Ministry's Department of Magical Games and Sports, and I just thought that was nice because we have gotten a few multiple examples now, including from Gwenog Jones as well as Ginny, that there seem to be a lot of places to move to after you're in Quidditch. Yeah,
2: like, that's true.
4: Lots that
0: of job That is very refreshing.
2: Since, well, yeah, because you know. I was
0: thinking about that in terms of previous episodes of Alohomora where we have talked about lack of jobs in the Harry mm-hmm. Potter world and job training, and I'm just like, geez, there's a lot of, like, easy ways to move up or move on when you're in Quidditch. So that's comforting to know. Like, there's career, there, there are, like, Future careers—you don't have to just retire. Um, so that's comforting.
1: But I would just retire. <laughs> this is a horrible game.
3: That <laughs> <laughs> sounds
2: exhausting. I don't think I'd want to be head of magical games and sports because that just oh sounds like God. a really stressful job. With how how like excited people get about Quidditch and how
0: violent yeah, they get Quidditch about bureaucracy Quidditch bureaucracy is. Sounds pretty difficult, yeah. actually. So in some ways, just as, if not more challenging than playing it.
3: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so, uh, next team, Pride of Portree, founded in 1292. Uh, their uh, captain, well, no, their, she wasn't their captain. She was captain in the International League, I believe. Um, okay. But Catriona uh, McCormick. I think it's Catriona.
2: Um, I've seen it spelled that way before, and I'm pretty sure it's Katrina.
0: That's a that's a fun way to spell Katrina. Yes. Thank you, England and Ireland, for giving me such great spellings to screw up on on this international podcast. <laughs> I apologize.
2: English doesn't follow rules. It. it nah. And neither does English Cat- borrow borrow things. It it follows other languages down dark alleys and steals loose grammar.
0: It's a hot man. <laughs> so, ca- ca- I was ca- an English so major, ca-
2: can you tell?
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> ca- Katrina?
2: Yeah, Katrina. I think.
0: Katrina McCormick. Um she did captain the team in the league uh to two wins. Um her daughter currently plays keeper for the team as she herself has retired. And a uh, fun little tidbit, uh her um her son is Curly Duke, who was born in 1971 and is the lead guitarist for the Weird Sisters.
2: I love that his name is Curly. Yeah. Curly
0: Duke. That is such a rocker (laughs) name. What should I name
2: my son? Curly. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he had (laughs) curls right when he was born? Maybe. Or maybe that's his stage name. It's a different
1: last name.
0: Oh, that's true. That is true. true. Ooh. Uh, on his oh. on his wizard card, <laughs> his wizard card is pretty fantastic. If you haven't seen it, he's uh, he's got like a long mullet, and he's wearing a uh, fluffy pink dress with poofy shoulders. Oh my gosh! So, oh, my God. oh my gosh! <laughs> his guitar is purple. Oh my gosh! He's a glam <laughs> rocker. Yeah, yeah.
2: I need
4: this card. <laughs> Me
0: too. <laughs> that reminds me of the well, time. If you, guys ever, yeah. oh. if you guys ever encounter me at a convention again and I have my wizard cards, <gasps> make sure and ask me for the Curly Duke card. Oh my gosh, I'm going to do before. that. <laughs> I don't know
2: when I'll be at another LeakyCon or GeekyCon, but I will have to do that. I will hunt you, you down. Can, and
0: you have you have some of my wizard cards, don't you? I don't have any of yours. Oh, you don't? No.
1: Ooh. I just Hi. have cards from... Uh, Chocolate frogs, but not the Wizarding World, not the Universal Chocolate frogs. The oh, like, that, like the
2: ones that are like um, the like Nestle yeah, or whatever. The old ones. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the classic. Yes,
1: pre movie. Pre movie. Yes. 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 I think yes. I have all of those actually. So,
0: oh, wow, impressive. I those in pristine condition yeah. are probably worth millions yeah. of they're things. all
1: <laughs> in the original plastic wrapping. <laughs> <Ooh>.
3: Oh
0: wow,
1: because <laughs> <laughs> you can still see what they say so
3: yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) so we move on to a team we've probably heard about before puddle united founded in 1163 they are the oldest uh league team as we find out in goblet of fire oliver wood becomes a reserve player for them in 1994 um hopefully he made it onto the actual (laughs) team as like a Legit player because a reserve player is somebody who's under contract but they don't actually play. Yeah,
2: they're they're, they're the they're the bench warmer.
0: Yep, yeah, he's he so he was a bench warmer. But I feel like Oliver would deserve more than that. And as far as we know, he didn't die during the Battle of Hogwarts. Mm. So hopefully, he got back into his Quidditch career. I
3: mean,
2: he did lead Gryffindor he's to also- a win eventually. Yeah. So so that that speaks well of him.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: And he's very
4: tenacious, so I'm sure he would have put in all the training required. Oh, yes.
0: That's true. That's true.
4: They probably have to so tell him to knew. stop training.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: would you have to sleep sometime. Not until I get this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, Shannon?
1: Uh, Puddlemere's the oldest, and then according to like all the dates that we have, the Hollywood Heartbeats would be the next oldest. Yes. Oh, Yeah.
3: I believe. Yeah. So yeah. I wonder
1: if like Puddle Mirror was just all guys who wouldn't let the Hollyhead Harpies in. Oh. Yeah. so they were like, I believe mm-hmm. it. Screw you.
0: Oh, oh, so they were like developed like because of, the, of Puddle Mirror. Yeah. Now we need
2: a movie that's the origin story of of the Hollyhead Harpies, and that needs to be the premise.
3: Yeah. That that's <laughs> their rivalry
0: with Puddle Mirror. <laughs> so, so, so far,
1: yes. I have like. Origin story of Hollyhead Harpies, 1950s game of Hollyhead Harpies, and the Gwenog Jones story. So this is a trilogy. <laughs>
3: Absolutely, I, I we got think, a trilogy. I think we're
2: fans of the Hollyhead Harpies here,
3: <laughs> just a
2: little bit, little tiny bit.
0: <laughs> but uh, Puddlemere United, uh, they have a little bit of fame in the Harry Potter series because they actually—they don't just have a motto; they have an anthem. I love this song which was recorded by celestina warbeck proceeds from the single go to saint mungo's um Mm -hmm. the song is called beat back those bludgers boys and chuck that quaffle here and uh it sounds like something from the 40s yeah well you know know, right that's generally kind of celestina's uh kind of true very true you're going to sing era. for she, us, Michael? I am going to is. sing it for you. <gasps> yes! <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> because technically I don't think we can actually play the one from Universal. Not. By the way, listeners, you can hear this full song if you go to Universal Studios uh, with a complete performance by Celestina and her singing Banshees. Um, it's quite fabulous, oh, yeah. I must say. Um, but I, 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 and I can't get nearly to that level. But I will, I will, uh, I'll do my best. All right. I apologize in advance. I usually sing in a chorus so that my singular voice isn't heard. <laughs> this, <laughs> this, this sounds a lot better when you've got, like, you know, a trio of Banshees behind you. But I'll do my best. And this, ah, the, We the, believe the in cool you. Thing, the cool thing about this song, too, is that it does, like, legitimately give you... Like Quidditch terms and little facts about mm-hmm. Quidditch, so it is kind of fun. So it starts this. This first part actually starts with the Banshees, and they sing: "From the marshy bogs of Quidditch grew a sport so fine and fair, in which each witch and wizard would take flight through the air." We sit and watch in wonder at each game the players play and dream our team will reign supreme. Thus we cannot help but say. And then it goes into the jazzy part. So we go. (laughs) Here we go. Beat back those bludgers, boys, and chuck that quaffle here. No team can ever best the best of Puddlemere. You'll catch that golden snitch with the easiest of ease. Grab your beater's bat and in no time, flat prove the game is yours to seize. Beat back those bludgers, boys, and chuck that quaffle here. Those noble navy robes know not one ounce of fear. Won't see them blagging, blatching, or blurting on their brooms. Playing by the rules, they're nobody's fools. Are other Teams will meet their dooms. I love that verse because blagging, blatching, and blurting are all actual quidditch fouls. <laughs> yes. and mentioned in Those this are, book. That <laughs> is fantastic. <laughs> oh, and here's the call and response. So, ladies, you get to help me with <gasps> this part. Because nobody ever does this Woo-hoo! when you go to Universal. Aww. Celestina shouts this out and nobody responds Aww. to her. It's so okay. sad. Probably because they don't understand what she's saying. <laughs> well <So. laughs> well, we
2: should all just go together and we'll we'll do the call and response with her. Make her day.
0: We're gonna fix this because it goes. (laughs) Can I hear you shout, Puddlemere United?
3: Puddlemere United.
0: United. (laughs) (laughs) Once more. We're doing good. Here we go. Always number one.
3: Always Always number number one. one. (laughs) Like wait, we're doing it
0: again. Let me hear you (laughs) shout. We won't be divided.
3: We won't be, be divided. We we'll won't
2: be
4: divided.
0: I'm thinking I'm st- starting to understand why nobody does the comments. <laughs> <response. laughs> and then, and then, <laughs> and then the last bit of that verse is, now it's time to have some fun. And then there's like a full minute of her just going, but I'm not going to do that. So, <laughs> oh, and, well, time for and, it sounded pretty good anyway. And, <laughs> and the final <laughs> verse is, uh, beat back those bludgers boys and chuck that quaffle here. There's no team looks as fine flying in their Quidditch gear. A World Cup waits for you at the end of the Quidditch year. There is no retreat. Let's turn up the heat. Don't accept defeat. Time to now compete. So beat back those bludgers, boys, and chuck that quaffle here. <laughs> Woo <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, that was I, a great I episode, could really, I could totally dance and for that,
0: you <laughs> That's all the I time just, we have for. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't that. I'm so glad Mic that drop. I was
1: on this episode just to witness that. Yes. <laughs>
3: yes. And <laughs> so I, I
1: also want to point out that in this song, it specifically says boys. So this, this supports my Hollyhead Harpies theory. Ah, yes. Woohoo, it does. So. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
4: uh mm-hmm.
0: Aha. Get with the times, Puddlemere United. Yeah,
4: and
3: frankly,
0: we I'm love a your little, theme, but get with it. I'm a little
1: disappointed in Celestina for supporting them, but I guess if the proceeds go to St. Mongo's. you know it's fine. for charity.
0: Yeah, I w- I'd like to think in my head, as will of course be part of our new trilogy, that the the Holyhead Harpies have a anthem as well. Yeah. Um, of some kind that yes. Christina is currently recording.
2: Yes, <laughs> and it's
4: much. I cooler. like this
2: plan.
0: That's even better. <laughs> yes.
4: Oh my gosh! It has to be a rock anthem. Yes.
2: Yes, yeah. yes
4: it does.
0: <laughs> well, if it's a rock anthem, maybe there. Maybe maybe the Weird Sisters will record it because Ooh, that
4: exactly. Kind of but
0: aren't
2: they all guys?
0: They are. But and then uh, we...
1: would he, would they do it? Because one of them's the son of a. Another uh, person from another Oh, team. that's true, yeah, because they're,
0: they're, the, they're the... Yeah, they're, they're, they'd they be doing the anthem for Pride of Poetry. That's right. Okay, Never mind.
1: solution, Hollyhead Harpies, start a band.
0: Yes!
2: <laughs> <laughs> the team and the band.
0: You have, you have to try
2: out <laughs> and audition.
0: <laughs> but Ginny
4: and the Harpies? <laughs> <laughs> I like this. That should like be a
2: wizard rock going. band.
0: <laughs> but uh, we move on from the uh, uh, expert anthem of of, the, of Puddlemere United To another team that, is, uh, that does get a mention in Harry Potter Interestingly, this team uh, is first mentioned here in Quidditch And they come up uh, later in Order of the Phoenix So this was actually a bit of a foreshadowing Because Quidditch was released right after Goblet of Fire uh, This is the Touch Hill Tornadoes founded in 1520 and they are the British Irish record holder for the League Cup. They've won 5 times, I believe. Oh. Um they they are very famous for their seeker Roderick Plumpton uh who lived from 1889 to 1987. Uh he was their previous captain and seeker. He holds the record for the fastest snitch capture. Which was three and a half seconds, and that was against the Carfelli catapults in catapults Goodness. in 1921. That's so. the coolest
4: catch ever. Did it ever? Just fly right into his face? I think it was the yeah.
2: sleeve. Because isn't there later <laughs> when the, when they're giving the like different types yeah. of of like special moves, the seemingly careless like movement of the arm that that yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that.
0: Yeah, no, it, it kind of, it like, I feel like that bit about Ro- Roderick kind of legitimizes Harry catching the snitch in his Yes! <laughs> like, that's that true. was the purpose of that whole thing, was <laughs> yeah. just to, like, cover <laughs> that like, clock hey, hey,
2: hey, it happens.
0: <laughs> it happens, and it's legitimate. It is recognized in the league as acceptable. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yep. Like, that's the most <laughs> impressive <laughs> capture, like, 3.5 seconds, but the most disappointing game ever.
0: You're like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, it's yeah, over. Yeah, people paid for that.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh that's true oh you'd have to like people, comp people. them tickets for the next game
0: i hope those people oh like got a chance to like meet him in person the people who played like paid like the highest ticket yeah for that game seriously that's ridiculous um the Touch Hill Tornadoes are also no- are again noteworthy for their mention in Order of the Phoenix specifically in the American edition on page 230 230- 231 because it occur they they are brought up when uh Harry is having his first substantial conversation with Cho Chang of the year <laughs> and Ron completely destroys it um by noticing that Cho is wearing a Touch Hill Tornadoes badge and as after insulting her about it <laughs> He explains to Hermione, half the people you see wearing those badges only bought them last season. They're not real fans. They're just jumping on the bandwagon. Um, But considering their accomplishments, I think Ron's being a little unfair.
2: Yes. You know, just a little bit. I mean, Ron, teenage boy unfair
0: (laughs) but isn't it interesting too though that we have a quidditch team that reflects ron so well and you know i will go to the ends of the earth to defend miss cho chang i i i i
4: absolutely but
0: um isn't it also interesting that there's kind of this idea that cho goes for what's popular as far as how she Mm. is portrayed in the series um I don't know mm. if that's meant to be a reflection of her character or a, perhaps a warning about her relationship with Harry, uh, mm. but because you know, I don't Honestly, know. I, I just I
4: don't think think it's feel like it was intentional portrayal of this girl.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: I don't think that yeah. was in, in any way intentional. I think, yeah, I mean, because yeah, I I, that just I doesn't yeah, feel like the right answer to me.
0: No, it didn't to me either. But I feel like that's kind of the argument that Ron is using against Mm. this. Yeah. Um, So, yes. You know, teenage girls
2: getting excited about something that's widely popular is just inherently frowned upon frequently.
0: Yes. And that's very annoying. God forbid. Yes. So, uh, Touch Hill Tornadoes. Cho Chang's favorite team. Definitely not Ron's. Michael, (laughs) I'm going
1: to have to stop you there because you were wrong about something.
0: Uh, what 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 what, what yes, I do what yes. I do
1: <laughs> You said you just misread something and I uh. could tell because you said that they hold the British Irish record for winning the league cup 5 times
0: Yeah but- that felt wrong as I read it <laughs>
1: they, it's they win. Sure it they is. hold the record for winning it the most times in a row. They won five times in a Thank row. Thank you, ah. because I was
0: gonna say there were there were teams who yeah. won it over twenty times. The
1: the Montrose Magpies are the ones who have won the most with thirty
0: two wins thank you right. thank you okay. for the fact check because it yeah. felt really wrong as i said it and i was like mm, i'm just gonna keep going <laughs> <laughs> don't worry it'll wrong. get corrected later check the books <laughs> <laughs> i'm apparently as good at math as jk rowling that's okay me too <laughs> it's been revealed um the uh next even
1: because she got those numbers right so. Yeah,
0: that, true, but we'll see She gets yeah. a few other things wrong <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, The next team, the Wigtown Wanderers uh, Not much to say about them They were founded in 1422 They are a family team And they are famous for having meat cleavers On their robes Because back when they were founded Their uh, butcher uh, The daddy of the team Who was a butcher stood <laughs> on the sidelines To intimidate the other players um, so now you know why there's meat cleavers on their robes.
2: <laughs> my father uh, will hear about this. Oh my.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, see it because he's
2: right there. You think with a, there's
1: with a, a foul cleaver. that's like, no meat cleavers?
0: <laughs> well, as long as the players. Well, we do know that there is a foul about axes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes, so. this is true.
4: <laughs> <laughs> now that just brings up the question is a cleaver an axe? Could it be construed as such? I don't mm. think so.
0: I feel yeah. that I feel like if it is that is a separate of of these a separate rule of the seven hundred. Oh yes,
4: like a subsection of the axis Yes,
0: yes, we we <laughs> we do have seven hundred fouls we're working with here, but of course yes. we are also working with magic. So yeah, this only knows so it's basically like the limits of your imagination. <laughs> or what could Not even necessarily that. <laughs> exactly right because maybe somebody got so
2: emotional they had the like you know wandless magic happen or something you know like because isn't that like like harry kind of has it happen in prisoner where you know he just like loses control for a second because he's so mad i mean if there were that many fouls i have to imagine somebody got really angry at some point
0: well, and as we will see a little farther down the line, there, were some, there are some crazy things that have happened at uh, Quidditch World Cups despite the 700 fouls being put in place.
3: Uh, so, really,
0: it is the, the boundaries of imagination. Yes. Um, our final team kind of brings us full circle the Wimborne Wasps, founded in 1312. Uh, as we know, they come up in Goblet of Fire, so they have already been mentioned by the time of this book's release as they were the team that ludo bagman played for he was their beater um but again coming full circle because they do in fact have a uh intense rivalry with the appleby arrows which began circa mid the 17th century when there when uh the wasps beater thought it would be funny to use a nearby wasp's nest and beat it at one of the players on the Applebee team who had to be taken off of the pitch for the extreme amount of stings. Um, and afterwards, the Wimborns adopted the wasp as their team mascot. So... And the
2: fans traditionally buzz loudly to distract opposing chasers. Yeah, I like
3: that.
0: <laughs> I like th- <laughs> that. Like, like that is
2: so real to just like sports fans. Yes. It really is. Oh my gosh!
0: <laughs> so now you know a little bit about your British and Irish League team. So listeners, feel free. We would love to know. I would love to know your favorites in the comments this week. I want to hear what which teams you support from the British and Irish League. But as you can tell, uh, this this current podcast team are all behind the Holyhead Harpies.
4: Yes, Holyhead Harpies forever. Yes. <laughs> Okay, chapter eight was like my goldmine because I am a huge fan of history and Harry Potter. So this was just like perfect for me. I just went, dove right in.
3: Sweet. Now,
4: yes. Chapter eight talks about the spread of Quidditch worldwide throughout all of history. And the first continent that we come to is Europe, which was the well-establishment of Quidditch. Uh, the match of. 1385 showed the establishment of of Quidditch in Ireland in the 14th century. So that shows that games were being played back uh, just after the Hollyhead Harpies and Puddlemore United founded their teams, which would have been in the 13th century. Mm -hmm. And uh, mostly it was stayed on the islands, I think, Mm -hmm. uh, until it spread... Through Europe during the early 15th centuries. And uh, she actually... Sorry, not she. Wisp. (laughs) (laughs) She, she, who? (laughs) Exactly. Wisp notes the um, mention of Quidditch itself in two artists of the time in Golfer, the iambics poetry in the early 1400s. And... (laughs) Um, the lines go thus like this oh the thrill of the chase as I soar through the air with the snitch up ahead and the wind in my hair as I draw ever closer the crowd gives a shout but then comes a bludger and I am knocked out
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: now, so I'm not I mean quite know... sure if that's an iambic or not but...
2: it, it, I, I hope it is because the names that, that's what kept getting me in this one is all of the names I know a poet it's called perfect. In-, In for the Iambic. Oh my gosh. <laughs>
0: I-, I think
1: Celestina should record this
3: poem. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> this is This is a
0: pretty great little poem. I do so love the profound nature of wizard poetry. <laughs> and, it's
4: uh, so imaginative and yet it's so simple. Lauren You, you can't can you get introduced...
2: super like ridiculously like Okay, I was a creative writing major, and it drove me crazy, the, like, like, aloofness of, oh, yes, oh, yes, genre fiction. Like, you can't get that way about wizard poetry.
3: No. <laughs> you really can't. <laughs>
0: it is what it is. Intellectual snobbery
2: up. drives me crazy.
0: <laughs> they don't have that in the wizarding world. No. <laughs> they're, they're pretty straightforward about everything. Yep. Now, Lauren... Can you intro this play, and then can we pick two of us to read the lines? Like, <laughs> that, yeah.
4: Absolutely.
0: Really fabulous. So tell us about this play.
4: Around the same time that Iambic was writing, the French wizard Malcrit, which I think Malachi. translates to badly written, I can see the it note does. here.
2: I looked it up, Google Translate, badly written. Awesome.
0: Is it pronounced Malcrit because Malachi. of the T? That's yeah, like Voldemort. Malecty.
2: Well, see the malecty. way three years of French. If there's not a vowel after the consonant, you don't you don't pronounce it.
4: Oh, oh yeah. Now we know. Mm-hmm. So
0: hmm Now we know. So so since since so Megan you since you pronounce since, the I was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> Alright,
2: alright. I sec here. Okay. <laughs> Ella j'ai transfigure mes pieds. Alas, Jim- I've transfigured my feet. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> Which is the best title ever <laughs>
0: <laughs> So who's gonna who's gonna read the parts of 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 this beautiful play? We have two roles, I believe. Yes, I do believe I don't know so.
1: because either one you have to pronounce a name.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> Megan, you have to at least be one of
2: them. Yes, I'm very Please. willing. Okay, I'll I'll be a uh, Capo. So, I'll be the second
0: where, one. Where is, what, what page is this on again? 71? Uh, 7, 7, 7, 7. I don't
4: know. It's on 39 in my book.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. I'm using the new edition. Let's see. I'm using the one. E edition.
2: Oh.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, so, you're going to. Which one are you going to be? I'll be the again, second Megan? one. How do you pronounce his name? Crapo. Crapo. Yes. Okay, that's a great name.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> if you speak English, well, then... it has some other things that it might.
0: Be <laughs> yeah, doing. right. I was gonna say. <laughs> well, I don't know what okay, it means. then I'll be the I'll be the other guy then. <laughs> All right. Now that I know how to pronounce the name. Yes. So, so my character says, "I cannot go with you to the market today, crapple.
2: <laughs> but cling me! I cannot carry the cow alone. <laughs>
0: You know, Rappel, that I am to be keeper this morning. Who will stop the quaffle if I do not?
3: Oh My god. <laughs> and that, I mean, and this.
1: My, my god! god. Oh my oh my god. god. I know we already have a trilogy of Hollyhead Harper. Now we to need to lane, write a last I've
3: right? transplanted. Like, my the script
4: feet. is here. <laughs> Sure, it's just a few lines, but we can expat- expatriate from that. Oh yeah, um, well, you know, I I can we, we can take some inspiration
2: like... from like Into the Woods.
3: <gasps> oh my gosh,
1: yes! <laughs> I'm seeing like I mean, there's a witch, there's a cow, old
2: French film dramatic what
1: french film and yeah, it's like a black a, and white yeah like a
2: french English art film <laughs> like oh. the red balloon or something <laughs> Ooh,
0: i like that i like that Argue who needs though. the cursed child script we want the, yeah. the, the alas i've transfigured my feet script
3: <laughs> yes oh my gosh
0: yes <laughs> per- perform right. it on stage right now Tweet it. yes we should, we should <laughs> give <laughs> it to star kid <laughs> <laughs> I can they would imagine do that. Them doing wonderful things. <laughs> they would do that. But really tell would. us more, Lauren, about the first Quidditch World Cup.
4: Okay. Um. In 1473, the first ever Quidditch World Cup was held. Now, all the nations that were represented were European. Mm. The non-appearance mm-hmm. of teams from other nations were put down as either owls collapsing, delivering the invitations, reluctance to make such a perilous journey, or simply wanting to stay at home.
2: Or, you Fair know, enough. wizards are not impervious to colonialism.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> they are not, indeed.
0: No, they are not. I, we I would... kind of find that out a little bit, actually. So...
4: And I have to say, this has to be one of my favorite little stories out of this because the final between Transylvania and Flanders has gone down in history as being the most violent ever seen <laughs> and mu- and many of the fouls recorded had never been seen before and probably haven't been seen since because they were recorded as fouls
0: yeah this is but the this is the 700 fouls match
4: ah yes this is the 700 fouls match but three of the most prominent ones that Wisp saw to mention was transfiguring a chaser into a polecat, hmm. um, attempted decapitation of a chaser with a broadsword.
0: <laughs> so there was a broadsword and an <laughs> oh axe gosh. at this match.
4: <laughs> Absolutely. So <And>
0: meat then... <laughs> cleavers are definitely possible.
2: <laughs> meat cleavers Very are possible.
0: possible. <laughs> and
4: my absolute personal favorite. The Transylvanian captain unleashed a hundred
2: blood-sucking vampire bats. From,
0: like, under his robes. Yeah. (laughs) Did he do,
2: like, an undetectable (laughs) extension charm, like Hermione's bag? (laughs) (laughs) These are the questions we need answered, Rowling. To
4: Twitter!
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's quite a spell. That is quite a spell. (laughs) I feel like, now, okay, here's something interesting. And you guys can, like, uh, if you look a, far, a little farther down on the dock, uh, there is a, a link I put in for some concept art from Harry Potter Quidditch World Cup uh, that was revealed by Ross Dearsley, who worked on the game. And mm-hmm. on the second piece of concept art, he actually reveals that there was originally going to be a Transylvanian Quidditch oh. team, but they were cut before the game oh. was produced. Take oh a look gosh, at look them, at Okay, though. so
2: is it, it's oh. the second link?
4: Oh my
0: gosh! The beaters are werewolves, what? You guys.
4: What? <laughs> the beaters are werewolves. Oh my gosh! <laughs> In that full is so perfect. They like went full wolf.
0: None that of, of these amazing. people are like fully human on this team. Oh my gosh! Which is super cool.
4: That's amazing.
0: Uh, I thought that, and their and their their um their their broom. Was in the game was called the Transylvanian Barb because it has it's made of like barbed wire. Oh my
2: gosh! Oh my gosh! Look (laughs) at that thing. Really strong cushioning charm for that. Why not?
0: (laughs) So I mean, really, if the Transylvanian team was envisioned this way, I'm not surprised they were unleashing 400 bloodsucking bats (laughs) during the match in the early days. Oh
2: my gosh!
0: But uh, yeah, how would he
4: hide them underneath that uniform?
0: Well, you know, maybe the uniform was different back in the fourteen I mean, hundreds. Could be.
2: I mean, you
4: could
0: we do probably have, hide a I, lot. I do like clothes. the idea of an. I do like the idea of an undetectable extension charm, or that this is just a charm because back then wands had yet to be banned from oh, Quidditch, true. so he might have just been Ooh, shooting true. them out that of his is wand. True. So.
4: Oh my gosh, that would have been even better.
0: Constant stream of bats.
4: <laughs> what
0: now? the He had a magic. He had a magic case. He's the, Newt is descended from a, a one of the Transylvanian. Players. Oh my gosh, oh yeah. my crazy! <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. Oh man,
1: <laughs> just but, Newt being like, ah, oh, one time my great-grandfather <laughs> great grandfather <laughs> released a hundred
0: bloodsucking
1: vampire On a British bat. Newt, what?
0: <laughs> oh, That's man. Awesome. But there's still some more details about the oh. World Cup.
4: Yes, there are. Uh, the World Cup is held every four years, but it's not until the 17th century that non-European countries uh, participate. Hmm. And this leads to the establishment of the European World Cup in 1652, which is h- played every three years.
0: Which is good to know, because we were not aware of league information quite yet until that was revealed. Mm-hmm. Um and interestingly, listeners, we're not going to read the whole thing because then the show would be three hours <laughs> long, which it's well on its way <laughs> to at this point. But oh uh, but uh, you can take a look. This one survived the um, Pottermore <laughs> purge, um, luckily. Uh, there is an article on Pottermore ca- written by Rowling called The History of the Quidditch World Cup. And it does detail um, uh, kind of an, an, uh, some of the issues that come up with the math of the quidditch world cup happening every four years rolling covered up that math oopsies pretty well here um there is a lot of interesting stories in in this uh in this writing but probably the one that uh explains the uh issue with the math the best is uh, <laughs> the tournament that nobody remembers which the section goes, uh, the International uh, Confederation of Wizards Quidditch Committee insists that a tournament has been held every four years since 1473. This is a source of pride, proving as it does that nothing, wars, (laughs) adverse weather conditions, or muggle interference, can stop wizards playing Quidditch. There is, however, a mystery surrounding the tournament of 1877. So, this does indicate... That kennelworthy wisps information is incorrect. Um, so <laughs> yep, that's now definitely we can how it trust works. Nothing he says. So, <laughs> the, as the writing says, the comp- the competition was undoubtedly planned. Uh, undoubtedly planned. A venue was chosen. Publicity materials produced and tickets were sold. This venue was in uh, Kazakhstan. In August, however, the Wizarding World woke up to the fact that they had no memory whatsoever of the tournament. Neither those in possession of tickets nor any of the players could could remember a single game. However, for reasons none of them understood, English beater Lucas Bargeworthy was missing most of his teeth. Canadian Seeker and Jealous Peel's knees were on backwards, and half the Argentinian team were found tied up in the basement of a pub in Cardiff. Precisely what had or had not taken place during the tournament (laughs) has never been satisfactorily proven. Theories range from a mass memory charm perpetuated by the (gasps) Goblin Liberation Front, at the time very active, and attracting a number of disaffected anarchist wizards, Or the breakout of Sir Brumus Spattergroit. (laughs) As you will remember, listeners, Spattergroit is what Ron pretends to have in book seven. Um, Mm. And Sir Brumus uh, implies that it it affects your brain, specifically. (laughs) Um, a virulent substrain of one of the more common of the more common which causes severe confusion and memory impairment. In any case, it was deemed appropriate to restage the tournament in 1878, and it has been held every four years since, which <laughs> accounts for the slight <laughs> anomaly in the every four years since <sighs> 1473 sequence. Um, wow, make sure awesome. listeners and check this section out because it also. Um, Details the story of a Quidditch match in 1809 when uh, a, begro- uh, a kind of bedraggled player brought an entire forest to life with dark magic and killed well, most then. of the audience. Um, oh my yes, yeah, that was a pretty extreme one. And a match in 19, uh, I believe, in the 1970s where um, a Quidditch uh, committee representative had decided to ban wands from the Quidditch Stadium. So in uh, dissent, a bunch of people disguised their wands as (laughs) noisemakers, which uh, caused quite a stir. But there is a lot of nice little bit of history that kind of fills in Kenilworthy's stuff on the site. You'll also find uh, this is no longer on Pottermore, tragically. Mm. You have to dig around for it. I found it on Reddit, so thank you, Reddit, um, for (laughs) saving this. Um, but Rowling also did ta- detail all of the win- the matches, the final matches and scores from the International um, World Cup from 1990 through 2014, which is of course was meant to be lead up to the big live 2014 coverage that happened on Pottermore, almost all of the evidence of which is now erased from
3: this.
2: Why? It was my favorite thing ever. It was the best thing.
0: Unfortunately, all of that stuff was done in tandem with the Pottermore Insider, which no longer exists. I know, but... Um, uh, So a lot of those articles have gone missing. Luckily, if you dig around deep enough, you can retrieve these articles. It's just kind of hard to find them in order Mm -hmm. um, and to kind of... Be sure that you're not missing any in yeah. between. Um, but it does reveal some really interesting information about kind of a, the. It elaborates more on what Lauren's going to talk about with uh, some of our international teams, which is really fun because you kind of see Rowling taking the stuff she developed in Quidditch Through the Ages and really applying it to what she did in 2014. It is really tragic that that stuff from 2014 is gone because. When you look at it, it was a pretty massive undertaking on her, and mind.
2: it was mm-hmm. just so, so well executed too. Like, yeah. it, was, uh, I, 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 I think it was. I I I was there the exec- whole day. I was just like watching the updates happen. It was so fun. I,
0: I thought it was better executed than the recent release of the America's Information on Pottermore.
2: Yeah, I still need to read like, that. Yeah.
0: It was just well. Exactly. It, this it was just more. There was a better lead up. Uh-huh. The payoff was awesome. astonishing. Um, and she, the detail, like if you do find that some of these articles, listeners, she had one where you could like Ludo Bagman was taking bets and he had like she had she had created all of the like for not being very good at math she had created all of the theoretical odds for each team and she had calculated how many points each of them had had up to that point she probably Um, had some very impressive work
2: i know i'd need it probably (laughs) did
0: probably did but it was very (laughs) very impressive i I just
2: love the interactions between Ginny and rita
0: Yeah,
3: those were fun. Those were amazing. Rita Skeeter (laughs) and (laughs) Ginny.
2: Like, yeah.
4: (laughs) Didn't Ginny jump over the stands to punch Rita in the face at one point? Yes, at the end, I think. She cursed
0: her. She she cursed her solar plexus, apparently. (laughs) Which is the last we've heard of Rita Skeeter in recent recent canon. (laughs) So she got hers in the end. But, at the very least, we still have all of this information that Lauren will go through of all of these amazing international teams.
2: Before we go any further, I actually, I so, names again. So that the, the uh, I alas, I have transfigured my feet. The, the two character mm-hmm. names. Um, yes. Grenouille is Frog, and Clapeau is Toad. <laughs> Frog and Toad. Oh, Frog, and, Frog toad.
4: and
3: Toad. Oh my God.
2: Oh
4: my gosh,
0: that's even better. Yep. Yep. J.K. Rowling. She's pretty great. <laughs> You're gonna maybe maybe you can pull some information on some of these names we come across yes, in these teams. I'd be happy to. We have some very interesting. I names. would be happy to. We really, names do. are fun. Start us off, Lauren.
4: All right, the famous teams of Europe from Bulgaria. We have the. Vrasta
0: Vultures. Ooh, you pronounced that beautifully.
3: Mm,
4: Thank you.
0: Vrasta. The Vrasta Vultures. It's very Bulgarian.
4: I I thought so.
0: (laughs) I like it. I like it. (laughs)
4: They're seven times European Cup winners, and they're also known as the most thrilling team to watch. They're pioneers of the Long goal. Which means shooting from well outside the scoring area. So, like, the th- if you're anybody's familiar with basketball, it's kind of like taking a half court shot mm. or one of those really long three court, three pointers.
0: Yeah, that's the thing I it's, understand. It's like doing
4: that, but on a broomstick and flying really fast,
0: and trying to avoid. That's bludders. pretty impressive. Yeah, exactly. And like so, f- 13 other yep. people flying around you.
4: And that's got to be really brilliant
0: oh, yeah. to watch. So I couldn't help but wonder, since this is the only Bulgarian team we get mention of, is if this was maybe a team that Crumb started on.
4: Maybe that's a possibility.
0: Because before I, un- I before I learned to understand this aspect for this episode, <laughs> I thought that the uh, Vratsa Vultures might have actually been the team that right. was playing in the cup. But that uh, would seem to not be the case.
4: Nope.
0: So, I uh, Yeah. But, uh, you know, maybe, since Crum ended up on the international team, I just thought maybe his humble beginnings would have been on the most well-known Bulgarian
2: Probably, team. since he was
4: such a, like... That could be know. possible. I mean, that might be why he was chosen. Yeah, despite being, like, yeah. you know, what, 18?
0: Yeah, he's a young I woman. think
4: he was... Wasn't he 17? I don't know.
0: Was he 17? He was... He was... He was, uh... At the time of, in 1994, hmm, I th- quickly I
4: was, to the internet. I think he was 17.
0: I think he was 17. Quick, Google, That's help what us. That's supposed to be kind of like the big thing about him.
4: From France, we have the Quiberon Quaffle Punchers. Yep, pretty much. Who are famed for their flamboyant play and
2: shockingly pink, <laughs> pink <laughs> and That the just the sounds French. like a like a so you know Britishism about French people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know that now. This is, now I'm thinking of the international league team, of course, from uh, Harry Potter Quidditch World Cup. They have one of the prettiest stadiums. Of course, in they the do. Game. their their stadium. They should. It's it's like covered. It's covered in like Woo! topiary at the bottom like beautiful oh hedge God. topiary like beautiful cut topiary and there's like a little fountain in the middle. Of course there is. Oh
4: my gosh.
0: Yes. And it's like bright blue like it's open to the bright blue sky and they they wear um the inner the, the international quidditch team wears like sky blue robes. So So like bavatons. They're not very Oh
4: that's so pretty. Yeah, kind of yeah,
0: kind of like Bobotons. They're not very um aggressive players <laughs> in the game compared to the other. They definitely are a little more showy than they are kind of offensive <laughs> at least in the international team yep. so make of that what you stereotypes.
3: Will.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the teams definitely do because we, it, it, it definitely comes along with the next country
4: <laughs> okay from france we hop over to germany uh whose team is the Heidelberg Harriers. The Heidelberg Harriers?
0: The
4: Heidelberg Harriers, yeah. Think, yeah. 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 I really hope I'm pronouncing that right. Sorry,
0: Germany. Um, <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the Irish captain, Darian O'Hare, once famously said that this team was fiercer than a dragon and twice
2: as clever. That is a high compliment. That's because that's so, the team...
0: That's the team that played against um, the
2: Harpies, right? Oh, was it the Hollyhead Harpy? Was it? The was thing? that the one
0: that the yes. captain yes, proposed
4: to the other captain, or in one of the finest Quidditch yes, games ever? Yes, that was the one. Yeah. That, like
2: the the team captain okay. proposed. Okay, Rowling, we really need yep. this now. Do it. There's a marriage <laughs> proposal at the end. You've already got your romance <laughs> built in. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and then we can have a wonderful
2: feminist moment of no. <gasps> that- It's
0: true.
2: (laughs) Yes! That's true.
0: Oh yeah, because Darren O'Hare was captain of the Kenway. Yeah, yeah. The Germans are very aggressive. players (laughs) Oh yes. They're very hard to beat. If you get the Quaffle from them, they will immediately take it from you. And if they have special moves, they will use them all on you at once. (laughs) It is ridiculous, and they have very good special moves <laughs> on the German team. So, oh my god, uh, I can't, I can't say anything <laughs> oh, about Luxembourg though. They're oh. not in the games. So.
2: Oh. <laughs> Poor little Luxembourg. Sorry, Luxembourg.
0: It's
2: like Pluto.
0: Uh,
4: Luxembourg has the Bougonville
2: bombers.
0: Begonvi? Sure, Begonvi? sure. Let's go with that. Sounds good. We'll yes.
2: be that's the other thing. Two L's with an E, at, like the I L L E, is always E. So V. Yep. Ah. Got it. French. <laughs> I say that like I'm an expert. I'm not.
4: <laughs>
2: the Bonneville
4: bombers are known to be top offensive strategists, and they're always among the top goal scorers. Hooray! So, if I think if anything can stand up to the, the Heidelberg Harriers, yeah. it would
2: probably be Luxembourg. You know, it's,
3: it's, go Luxembourg. It's, this is the classic case of,
2: we scored a lot of goals, but the other team caught the snitch. <laughs> because the snitch. Yeah. It's just ridiculously, like, that, that's 150 points. Case. Like, you're almost, almost yes. guaranteed to win with that.
0: As we got from the, as we got learned from last week, the the 150 points yes. does come from the origin yes. of the snitch, um, and the 150 <laughs> galleons that were offered. So it's yeah. more out of tradition than everything. But really, I think the 150 does make sense in an average league Quidditch game because, it, uh, aside from those exceptions with individuals like Roderick Plumpton <laughs> catching it in three and a half yes. seconds, which Seems yes. rare. <laughs> Quidditch games do seem to go on. Uh, league games seem to go on long enough because the players are talented mm. enough to keep them going. That 150 points really is like you know, like just a a drop in, yeah. in the ocean, really. By that, it really is. By that logic, so it, it makes yeah, sense he, for league. I kind of feel like Hogwarts should change that rule for my, you know, for their yeah,
4: like Quidditch, 75. But... Honestly, I could see them making the. I could see them making the stitch worth absolutely nothing, but it still has mm. to end the game. Yeah.
3: yeah. So, yeah. so and you still
4: have to see, catch but then, it, but most of the focus goes towards the chasers yeah. and the beaters. But then you wouldn't catch it.
2: Until, yeah. Mm. You would try to catch it only when your team is winning. Be more strategic about it. Sort of already happened. But that yeah, seemed... there'd
1: be a lot more fighting between seekers. But that's kind of what Yeah, it anyway, kind of is. I guess. Exactly.
0: They wait for the snitch for opportune times yeah. anyway, so it does kind of yeah. seem like you could do that. And really, that would also help to maybe put the chasers a little more in the limelight, since they're the ones Seriously. who do the most work.
4: Exactly. It gives them more <laughs> a bigger piece of the pie.
0: Because if you, again, playing Quidditch World Cup, the chasers are the highlight of the game. The seekers come in at the end because, of, obviously for purposes of a video game, you can't just release the snitch <laughs> and be looking for it the whole time. So... You you What you do as the chaser is the chaser actually kind of boosts the seeker's ability in the game so that the more scores they get, the faster the seeker can hit a boost uh-huh. and, go,
3: uh-huh.
0: and go after the snitch. So it's kind of like That's filling up the drive gauge. Um, so really, yeah. Chasers I need to find a copy of that on part. PS2. I really, really need to. Yes, you do. It still, yeah, you can still get it for PS2, and it still works for PC. Oh, yeah. There's that too. PC, so, f, yep. But continuing on.
4: Now the Portuguese team, uh, Braga (laughs) Broomfleet, has a groundbreaking beater marking system. Now I'm just, that made me go, huh? Beater marking system. How can you mark the beaters so that they can't do their jobs?
2: I
3: mean.
4: Because I think that's what marking means I in think sports so. world. You mark somebody, that means that you're trying to interfere so much that they can't do their right, job. Right, yeah. But aren't the beaters the interferers? Yeah, but I
2: mean, I guess other chasers could, like, they could um, kind of, you know, do that same thing, where they just kind of, like, interfere and, like, yeah, like, just, like, fly really quickly around them or something or distract them, or you know.
0: Well, and theoretically, too, beater marking could, I guess, mean, again, coming from somebody who knows nothing <laughs> about sports, but if, if that's the case, maybe the beaters mark the opposing team's beaters and go after them.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So oh. Maybe
0: the beaters distract each other so that they oh, can, yeah. like, if you're, if you're distracting the beaters the whole time, you keep them away from the chasers and the seekers. Very true. true.
4: Very true so, to that. Yeah.
2: Thank you.
0: That's what I'm going. Or
3: like, How or like trying work? to distract
2: them while they're about to beat a bludger away from their team or something. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's
2: it. sports.
4: Mm. We'll go with
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: so much sports.
0: So much the sports.
4: Sportsing. But then we go on to Poland,
0: mm. who
4: has the Grodzik goblins. Ooh. And they have the most innovative seeker in the league, Joseph Ha-ha. Ronsky. Now, we all know about the Ronsky feint. Yes. He's the one who uh-huh. invented it. Super yeah.
0: cool.
4: See, I L-M-G. wonder. Which we which we saw successful, many successful feints made by the Bulgarian seeker Krum. Yes.
0: And, ad- and adapted yes. by Harry later on. Absolutely. I want to know. Career. So. If-
4: but that's yeah.
2: where it came from. So, but but if okay, so the Polish team—they're the Grudzik goblins. How do the goblins feel about this? <laughs> probably,
0: probably not. Absolutely. They're probably super <laughs> po
3: <laughs>
2: Or or at least like, well, then let the us be on the team, thing guys. That's going on with. Give us wands and give us. Wands. Yeah, because
0: yeah. I can't imagine them. Like, they're definitely not going to be mad. No!
3: Oh my no. gosh. That would,
2: that <laughs> would just not be the epitome of selling out happen. to all the other goblins. They would probably stone each other. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah that, ain't, that ain't going down.
4: But from Europe, we hop over to Australia and New Zealand. And.
2: <laughs> we can do it. We can I do know. it. I <laughs> know.
4: Quidditch was introduced to New Zealand sometime in the 17th century, allegedly by a team of European herbologists who played Quidditch when they were taking a break from their magical herbology from New Zealand. And the New Zealand Ministry of Magic has spent much time and money keeping muggles from getting Maori Maori, Maori. 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 Thank you, Maori art from, from that period, which depicts white wizards playing quidditch because
2: wizards are not good at
0: summer. so there you go colonialism
2: <laughs> yep colonialism, colonialism
3: and wizards <laughs> really really are <laughs> going white That's
0: wizards
2: <laughs> quidditch
4: reportedly reached australia sometime in the 18th century and australia may be said to be the most ideal quidditch playing territory given the given the huge expanses of outback of uninhabited outback excuse me where quidditch pitches can be established
0: yeah, the the pitch for the international team in Quidditch Through the Ages is cool for Australia because every time every time they so usually when um, the you score a goal in the game you'll hear the native country's kind of instrument as the uh, as the kind of signal Please that you score a, a goal. Didgeridoo. Yes, it's a yes. didgeridoo. When you score in the Australian, yes. <laughs> more reasons I than this the Australian game. pitch. <laughs> super cool, super cool way. So and many the, more reasons. And there is an Australian. Um, commentator there's a commentator from australia germany and france in the game
2: not from wow
0: and they they always join ludo bagman he's the constant commentator (laughs) at every game so
2: that's
4: amazing
0: cute little setup very clever but yeah i like the australian pitch and it looks it looks as hot as it probably would be (laughs) oh dear there's like only browns and yellows In the stadium, I would Ew. hate to. I would hate to play in an Australian yeah. pitch unless there were like spells to cool you. I off.
2: hope so, because you got to be wearing the robes. Uh-huh.
0: I think
4: you would need that unless you want to collapse from heat. True. Through. Yeah. This is the Outback. Mm-hmm.
2: Also, Australia in general, <laughs> you've outback. just got to be like really tough and just like unafraid of things. Yeah. You have to be a Gryffindor
0: to live in Australia. But apparently, Europe loves Australia's and New Zealand's games
4: absolutely they think they're the most thrilling to watch (laughs) now new zealand has the motohara
0: yeah sure motohara
4: Motohara, something (laughs) (laughs) please feel free to correct me at any point in the future motohara macaws who are famous for their red yellow and blue robes as well as their phoenix mascot i love the name
3: sparky and i absolutely love that
4: idea
0: i feel like ariel is writing this (laughs) Like is... <laughs> listeners, for those of you who don't know, Ariel is one of our is one of the hosts for uh, Speak Beastie, and this is exactly what she would name a phoenix. <laughs> I mean, it's very appropriate. Barky.
1: <laughs> we were today. We were naming the bow Truckle.
0: What did you end up naming him?
1: At the exact same time, Ariel
2: and I said Bowie. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> yes, it is
2: settled. Well, but but that's the owl in the in the Hogwarts IT guy blog. That, that's the what's oh, is her name's owl. His name? Um, yeah, the, the 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 girl that that the Evie because it's JD and Evie. I need to catch that's up on those anyway. Her owl is named Bowie because apparently David yeah. Bowie was a wizard. Oh goodness! Of course, of course, I can that believe makes it. The
4: most sense I he was also a goblin king, so, so maybe he style. like
2: united the the oh. you know wizards and goblins. We can dream.
4: Ooh,
0: because <laughs> he
4: is the goblin king. Yes.
0: There is, there is, um, Perfect. worth mentioning in that, um, now lost, uh, bit of from of the Quidditch World Cup matches from 1990 to 2014. Um, it is mentioned that, uh, Lichtenstein's team <laughs> mascot is a gloomy, oversized augury named Hans, who has a fan <laughs> club. So, <laughs> so, of course, the mascots really do get quite a bit of love, as they um, should in Quidditch, yeah, <laughs> as they should. But of course, there are tra- there are some teams from Australia worth noting. Eric would mm-hmm. just love this. I hope you're listening, oh, to Eric, because yeah. he would just go gaga <laughs> about this.
4: Now, Australia has two main teams: Thundelara Thunderers, and Wollongong yeah, Warriors. Thunderers, and Wollongong Warriors, and they have a huge rivalry betwixt the two teams. They are such enemies that a popular response to somebody boasting or bragging or making up a tall tale is to say, Yeah, and I think I'll volunteer to rift the next Thunder Warrior game. <laughs> oh they're good.
3: They're good.
2: I, I just I love those names <laughs> and nice. I love that.
0: That's like,
3: very yeah,
2: can we It's fantastic. Can we
1: appreciate How every single Quidditch team alliterates. It is
0: alliterative.
3: Though, like,
2: that's dedication.
1: The the (laughs) one thing (laughs) I've noticed, though, is
3: like
2: the French team, they're the, what, the quaffle punchers? The something quaffle punchers? Like, Like, that's not a very French word at all.
0: Well, at least they did better than Puddlemere United. True. Once again, Puddlemere (laughs) United. Get on it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, all the other teams alliterate.
0: Why don't you? Yeah. Even Pride So it of...
1: started with the Holyhead Harpies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Even Pride of Poetry yep. at least tried. They put an up, yeah. but they still figured it out. <laughs> yes.
3: Yeah. <laughs> God.
4: The game was probably introduced to the African continent by European witches and wizards traveling there in search of info on alchemy and astronomy, which the African wizards and witches are very strong at. They're very adept at that.
0: Yeah, as we got revealed through Pottermore, African wizards are actually. Um, this was kind of a nice little detail, but African wizards are actually more adept at um, wandless magic because, uh, as as is the popular, not so much theory as fact, depending on who you ask, that of course we are the human beings originated in Africa. Magic is believed to have originated in Africa. Makes um, sense. Mm-hmm. According to Rowling's canon, so m- African wizards and witches tend to be very well versed in magic, and while it mentions here alchemy and astronomy, they are also considered to be uh, like, except, uh, I guess, exceptional transfiguration practitioners as well as animagi. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which oh is yeah.
2: Cool. Well,
4: and so, just
0: like awesome. with
2: kind of a lot of cultures in Africa, are like, um, oh, what is it like? Oh, I can't think of what, but like that, like animal spirits, sort of like Native American cultures. Why can't I think yeah, of well,
0: the term? Yeah, well, yeah, just generally more connection, a uh, stronger connection to nature, yep. and For obviously reasons. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, they've they've got they've got some pretty cool teams
4: mm-hmm. uh, from Uganda. They have the Patonga Proudsticks, Love and I'm really really Proud sorry sticks. if I butchered that.
2: Of Proudsticks reminds me of a. The- Proud Feet.
0: I love that. I, I love that name. The Tonga <laughs> yeah. Proud Feet. I bet they're an awesome team.
4: Yes. Well, they certainly are because they held the Montrose Magpies to a draw in 1986. To the great astonishment from observers. And six members of the Ugandan team recently represented Uganda and Africa at the Quidditch World Cup.
0: Okay, so that confirms my yeah. misunderstanding. So they do source mm-hmm. them from league teams. Okay,
4: mm-hmm. but seeing as how a Quidditch team is seven members, six members of the Ugandan team were on the African
0: team. Yeah, that's a pretty. That's, major, that's
1: pretty sure. cool. I didn't to be the huge... seventh member. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, or yeah, the seventh member who didn't get to go, and also the seventh oh. member from some other random team Yeah, oh. Like, either way, you're gonna, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be awkward. That
2: dynamic you know, it would, would be, be, interesting.
0: be It would be even more awkward if that, like, if if it was... Like the if they were if they just dropped one of their chasers or one of their beaters, like oh. it would be less awkward if it was if it wasn't the seeker who went or it wasn't the keeper. But if right, like... oh no, I guess
1: <laughs>
3: yeah. I guess
1: teams probably have more members. That's so you true. Probably swap people. That's in, true. Especially if it goes on for days. That's like, especially true. Especially if
4: they're a big team because they have then they have the reserves like we saw with Oliver. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's, but yeah, still. that's true. But still, true.
4: It's gonna be awkward (laughs) (laughs) yep and uh from togo we have the tachamba charmers and they're masters of the reverse pass and i think we'll see the reverse pass in chapter 10 Mm -hmm. when we come to it i think so
0: yeah that's a pretty major Um, accomplishment that they can do yeah Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) now that's some good alliteration
0: (laughs) because even mm -hmm. though they
1: don't start
4: with the same letter it's still alliteration. <laughs> ah, yes! It's still alliteration. You are so right about that.
0: <laughs> Chamba charmers.
2: I know there's like a linguistic so term for that and kind of I can't think United of it. United really
4: has no excuse. <laughs> they really don't at this <laughs> point. Uh, from Ethiopia, we have Gimbi, Giant Slayers, and they're twice winners of the All Africa Cup. So as there's a European Cup, there's apparently also an African Cup.
3: Cool. Yeah.
2: I mean,: seriously. And then
4: uh, from Tanzania, I'm going to butcher this so horrifically We have the Sumbawanga sunrays.: That's how I'd say.: Yep. It. I love that I name. Love that Sunrays.
0: That yeah, whole
3: sunrays.
2: name is fantastic. Yeah,
4: yeah. Isn't it beautiful? Yep. And they're, highly, they're a highly popular team. They do a lot of formation looping that delights all the crowds.
0: Oh so they're one of those teams that like is, is good for an entertaining quidditch match.
4: Mm-hmm. They're good for a very entertaining, very thrilling quidditch
3: match.
0: That's they're cool. highly
3: That's
0: cool.
4: They're very good. Now, we're going to jump over to North America because this is my absolute favorite. It really I think J.K. Rowling really did a great job explaining what North America <laughs> but even the United yeah. States. What we would have done to quit it. Yep. Which is... Which absolutely so, hilarious. I can't wait to get a, to it. Yes.
0: Totally destroyed it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yep.
3: I know. No, um, no. I can't guys, wait to get
2: we to we it. We innovated. <laughs> we made it better.
0: It's very... It is very clever. I, <laughs> we're Americans. It we it's very clever. We made it, it better. It breaks my heart, but...
2: Well, Michael, maybe. you're just an
0: American. I am putting this
1: section in context of all the, like, <laughs> new Fantastic Beast stuff.
0: Yeah. And all the stuff now
1: we know about America. Because the first paragraph was like, America is messed up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: America, you know.
0: Yeah, you know, for for all of the inconsistencies that people have seen cropping up with Fantastic Beasts, this one stayed consistent. She. (laughs) America
1: is messed up.
0: America is messed up, and I'm going to make their stuff lame in comparison to everything else. But it is... (laughs) (laughs)
2: It is true to what we would do.
0: Yeah, this is exactly what we would do. So tell us, Lauren, what what horrible thing did we do?
4: (laughs) Okay, first, Quidditch reached the North American continent in the early 17th century, but it was slow to take hold due to anti-wizarding feeling, which was unfortunately exported from Europe at the same time. Now, from that, I can take reference that that was during the religious colonial period, the strongly religious uh, mm-hmm. colonialism of the North Amer- of the uh, eastern United States
2: pilgrims And so
4: with highly religious colonial settlements there'd be very strong anti-magic feelings and you know the witch hunts and the witch trials suspicion of anything that was different. Mm-hmm. So great caution had to be exercised by wizard settlers. Because they were also trying to escape persecution of their own but they had to also keep themselves secret from their colonial Muggle neighbors.
0: See and listeners, this is so a big if you want to learn more about this, this is also a great opportunity to hop over to Speak Beastie because they covered in more detail mm-hmm. Rowling's entries Absolutely. on American wizardry and uh, specifically this era and there um, there is a new kind of breed of uh wizard muggle hybrid through history that shannon what is the name of these weird guys
1: uh scours
0: scours that kind of gets uh mixed up in all of this they are not developed by this point in the series but it seems that the room was perfectly left for them by what Rowling wrote Mm -hmm. here Hmm. Um, it this, awesome. this is all still consistent with uh, what's been brought up so far for for Fantastic Beasts. Mm-hmm.
4: So, so there are three uh, rather well established Canadian teams. I love um, this
3: one. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. The Moose
4: Jaw Meteorites. Best name. Like they went.
1: We. What should we call our team? <laughs> what's in Canada? Moose. All right, we need another word that starts with M. Meteorites!
2: because we fly in the okay. sky, guys. Moose meteorites
1: is not enough syllables. What if we say moose jaw? <laughs>
2: like, yep, that's yes. Perfect.
4: I yes. swear they were drunk on maple syrup. So we know which team
0: Shannon supports in the American
4: thing. Yeah, <laughs>
0: moose
4: jaw meteorites. They uh, where they were actually threatened with disbandment in 1970 due to their victory flights after winning <laughs> uh, Quidditch matches taking place over neighboring towns and villages with highly visible fiery sparks emitting from their broom tails.
2: Oops. I love it. They're, they're just <laughs> experts at subtlety. So
4: I'm just like, hmm, UFO sightings?
2: Ooh. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> oh. Meteorites. Meteorites. Ah,
4: yeah. Oh I believe it. Good point. Thank you. I wonder. If I didn't even something... picture that until you said meteorites. I'm like, oh my gosh, fiery tales. meteorites.
1: Yes. <laughs> I wonder if
4: something specific
1: happened in the 70s that this
2: is referencing. Could, could
0: <laughs> be. maybe. Some, I some, mean, it some, was some the 70s event in Canada. I
2: don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now we need to Google that.
4: Yay! They now rem- they now keep the tradition to the confines of the Quidditch pitch. And the show remains a great wizarding attraction.
0: So they're like the they also, they're like the Sumbawanga Sunrays. Like they're a good they're a good one to go watch.
4: Exactly. And the two other teams of can, the Canadian uh, league is are the Haleybury Hammers and the Stonewall Stormers. Now we don't have anything really on them,
0: but they are teams. Because teams they are
4: teams, they, exist. they are teams.
0: <laughs> go Canada.
4: Now. Down to the United States.
0: Oh, did something happen in the 70s? Uh,
4: 1970.
1: (gasps) Tagish Lake, Yukon, Canada. While traveling along the edge of the lake, Jim and his wife saw seven strange glowing (gasps) orbs. Oh my
3: gosh! Stop. (laughs) Stop. There's a picture, guys. It's real. Oh my gosh.
4: (laughs) This is amazing. This is so... Amazing. Oh, my
0: gosh. Come on, Rowling. Take care, Rowling's a witch.
2: Oh this seems God. like such
4: a
1: random, obscure website. <laughs> <laughs> it's like ufocasebook.com. Oh, my it gosh. It looks like it was probably made in the 70s. Well, we
0: know where Rowling got her information from. Then.
1: <laughs> oh, that's great.
4: That is, so that is fantastic. I'm so pleased.
0: Oh, oh, yes. Thank you. That... Oh, that's like that's great.
2: That's like in Doctor Who when there was a reference to a meteor crashing in Russia in 2015 and then it actually yeah. happened. It was like 2012 <laughs> or know, something, oh but it like it actually happened and there were videos and it was just like, oh my gosh, it's all real. It's all real. That was crazy. Fandoms are real, guys.
0: <laughs> that's a nice that's a nice uh nice note to to end on the positivity of North America before uh-huh. we- Go into how we ripped Quidditch to little pieces. <laughs> <laughs> now
4: the now the United States was not content with just Quidditch. Oh, oh no. no!
0: Oh
3: god!
4: <laughs> <laughs> we have a we our main sport is called Quadpot.
3: No. And it was
4: invented <laughs> in the 18th century by the wizard Abraham Peasgood, <laughs> who brought a quaffle over from the old world. To intending to start a Quidditch team.
0: A pox on Abraham Peasgood. A pox on you, sir. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> After an accident where the quaffle he brought over from Europe exploded in his face. So, what does he do? He forgot about quit. <laughs> <laughs> The quaffle he brought for over from Europe actually came into contact with his wand during the travels <laughs> and when he took out the quaffle and started tossing it around it exploded in his face
0: which he yep. thought was funny cuz apparently he
4: Which he thought it was hilarious robust and So I mean armor. he forgot like, about quidditch I mean, if entirely
1: that to me, I would definitely drop everything <laughs> and
2: figure out how to do it again <laughs> Exactly he I forgot mean, how... about quidditch entirely I mean the <laughs> other thing is how... How do Americans celebrate our Independence Day? Blowing stuff up.
0: Explosions. (laughs) So,
2: yeah.
4: (laughs) He promptly started a new game that capitalized on the exploding leather balls. That's great. Called Quad Pot. That's great. The point of the game is to get the quad, the modified quaffle, into the pot, which is a cauldron uh, equipped with a spell to prevent the quad from exploding at the end of the pitch before the ball explodes then a point is awarded to the team who scored and a new quad is brought out onto the field and while quadpad has had some minor success in europe many of the wizards are still faithful to quidditch ugh. Like, yeah it just
1: i ugh. love the simplicity of it
4: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> Why are there eleven players per team? That is absurd.
1: You know. Well, you know, so the games can not last not a reasonable
2: <laughs> amount of time if you like get it blown There's up in your face. Seven hundred <laughs> fouls in this game. Like, it seems pretty easy. Well, like how? Like I want to know. Can the... like? While one team is, like, trying to get their their quad into the pot, d- does the other team get to, like, try and interfere? Or are they both doing it at the same time as a race? Yeah, I, like- I think
0: I think the idea is that you're, like, the teams are fighting for the ball. Um, yeah. But at the same yeah. time, you don't want to be in possession of the ball. It's weird, because... You do, but you this don't. Is, this is so sad, because this, pun intended, I suppose, boils down to... This is a game of hot potato, you guys. Yeah, it this is. is. Hot potato oh on brooms. It, <laughs> it is. I
2: was totally just thinking That's that. Oh, this
0: is so sad. Americans I, were I very to... easily
2: entertained.
1: Like, but here's what I'm gonna say: Quidditch is like a super dangerous game, but it's not. That it's inherently dangerous. I mean, it is. But what's really dangerous about it is what all the other players are going to do to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas much. quad pot, like it's just something's going to explode. <laughs> like you know something's that going explode. in. Is it? <laughs> and I don't. I if I was playing this game, I would not be very focused on sabotaging the other team because I might get distra- distracted, and something might explode. Like yes, I think you got to be very focused.
0: Okay, I retract my question about why there's eleven players because I forgot if the quad explodes that in that person's hand, the person is taken off the team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And which that's another very traditional like uh, that's that's a very traditional American thing that like slowly taking team members out of the game. Yeah, that's more of like a that's a very traditional thing for kind of like schoolyard games. Yeah, Yeah. it's dodgeball and hot Mm -hmm. it's dodgeball hot potato. Oh, oh God. I, I wonder how lie. many
2: like young receiving children America. in America are like traumatized by quad pot, like some are traumatized by dodgeball.
0: We're like, <laughs> I mean, after the like, it's it's just salt in the wounds that after this we get we get stuck with Ilvermorny as our school. But yeah, like, where did that come from? Yeah. Like the French. I do, I, guess, I do but... like though that that you noted, Lauren. The kind of the. I guess, transition from soccer to football because mm-hmm. this, is, yeah. this is that.
2: Yeah, I noticed like, that too. It's definitely... I, thought,
4: I saw some really big parallels there, so I just wanted to take yeah, like a little because note about that.
2: In in America, we have football, but it's not football in the rest of the world. No, no, no. We're different. We're special. We have different <laughs> and football. <laughs> and, oh, you're football? No, no, no. That's soccer. It's totally different. Plus,
0: the, and the, rest, <laughs> the rest of the world is so enamored by
2: by football, as, fo- by they call football. It as we
0: call soccer yeah exactly and we and we we're are... the
2: weird ones and that we're not
0: yeah we're very indifferent to soccer to soccer um we are into football quote unquote yeah
4: yeah pretty much that's a large we... generalization so is it made here we don't play it <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep but we do but we do have some quidditch teams
4: yes Yes, we do. Yeah. We have two international Quidditch teams. The Sweetwater All-Stars from Texas.
0: Yeah! Who <gasps> gained...
4: Gay Texas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> have, there. I'm legally I'm legally obligated to represent, because I live in Austin now. So. But I already... Yes, su- you have to. I already supported them when I first read about them, because I was in New Mexico, and I was like, oh my god, they're in the next state over. I'm totally the Sweetwater All-Stars fan. So... <laughs> Yeah, go Sweetwater All-Stars if I am supporting an American team. That's who I have to support.
1: And they yep. beat the Quaffle
0: Punchers. Yeah, they did mm-hmm. beat the, the, the shocking pink French <laughs> players. I'm sure they felt very, very really good about five that. In a
4: five-day match.
0: In a five-day match, yeah, that's pretty That cool. is impressive. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Pretty good.
4: And then we also have the Fitchburg Finches from <laughs> Massachusetts
0: So we know who cat reps <laughs> yeah. she's, she's up in Boston <laughs> uh,
4: they won the US League seven times and Bravo. seeker Maximus yeah. Brakovich the third has captained America at the previous two World Cups.
0: Nice. Cool stuff oh, so He's been outsourced too so pretty much
1: so <laughs> We have Muggle Quidditch.
0: Yes, we yeah.
2: do. When
1: are we going to start Muggle Quadpot? <laughs>
3: <laughs> How would we pull X the exploding? All we need
4: is a few Oh, bombs. we need a hot potato.
0: All oh, we need we is We need a ball and, a ball and some, some bowls and yeah
1: here's what you do it's it's an alarm clock (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh that's even better and you tie the alarm clock around until it goes off
3: yes
2: (laughs) i'm gonna start this
4: (laughs) you guys are my first
2: or or maybe we should take inspirations from what is it is it gobstones the ones that like squirt stinky fluid at the players yeah maybe maybe we should yeah
0: Gobstones is also like the Not loser popular. minority sport yeah. of it, of Hogwarts. It's so. it's the
2: nerd sport.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so that's there you go. Just compound the sadness. <laughs> yeah. of course. But uh shout out for the American international team in Quidditch World Cup. They probably really? are located somewhere in New England, uh, by the based on their uh stadium, which does look to be somewhere around Massachusetts. Um, but it's it's all of course decorated in colonial America garb, and it's got uh, pumpkins floating all around it because I guess it's eternally Halloween or something. So that's sure. That's might
4: the, be near Salem.
0: The, I I maybe that's it. Maybe that's kind of what they were maybe, maybe going it's, for. With you their know, aesthetic. the
2: Salem Witches Institute. That is yeah. Only I think mentioned. they were going for
0: like the very traditional like American witch. I and think wizard. so kind of aesthetic but uh the american team is a yeah. pretty good is a pretty good team i am currently playing with them trying to get them through the the world cup and they're doing pretty darn good they have a great Yay. team special move so and they've got a girl uh, as their as one of their chasers and their seeker Woo! so, Woohoo! go american team
4: <laughs> <laughs> now we only have two continents left so we're going to jump down to south america
0: they play quad and- too they play quadpot too. <laughs> you know. How sad.
4: Yeah. But, it ha- but Quidditch does compete with quadpot. But the further south you go, the more Quidditch it there becomes... is, and less quadpot there is. The most skilled country is Peru, which is poised to become the first Latin World Cup player within the next 10 years.
0: So that was written in in Wisp's time. And it was, right. so and that was, that was in when? That would have been, well, it would have been pre, like, around the 1990s or slightly right. before that. 2001.
4: Well, it's pu- the book was published yeah. in
0: the Muggle world in 2001. Oh, mm-hmm. but, but,
2: uh, that's very but true. But for I'm Harry and Ron and everybody to be reading it, it would definitely have to be sometime in the 90s.
0: It does that's not very work true. before. Oh, well, if Peru, let's see, they have not... Made a, like if they made it to the World Cup, we don't know because only the matches, the 1990 matches through 2010 have only given us the the winners, and mm-hmm. they were not present in 2014. Brazil was, um, mm-hmm. so Brazil made it, but not Peru. But we, but ostensibly Peru might have made it in that time, so. I'm gonna say they did, because okay. Wisp, Let's believe in Wisp Peru. seems to. Yeah, I believe in you, Peru. Go, Peru.
4: Yeah. Now, uh, while there is no, while I can't find anything that says when it came when Quidditch came to South America, Quidditch came to Peru when um, European wizards were sent by the International Confederation to monitor the numbers of Viper tooths, which is Peru's native dragon.
2: Mm. I want to see a Viper Tooth. Not super- I
4: know, right? They're going to be gorgeous, I yes. swear.
0: <laughs> Who's Peru's team?
4: Peru's team is the, I'm going to butcher this again, Terra Tree Skimmers.
0: That's a cool name. And they,
4: uh, That's my recently guess. W- in uh, Wisps time, they toured Europe with great acclaim and won over a bunch of people.
0: Cool. I like I like that their I like their name. Tree skimmers is a cool name for a Quidditch team. That's cool. Tree skimmers yes, is great. <clears throat> well, also just rain kind rain of
2: evokes names. like rainforest.
0: Yeah, yeah, it does. And it I just love does. I just really love that idea because I like the they're idea. They're flying <laughs> on
2: brooms and they can actually skim the trees.
0: Yeah, I think Harry like. Oh, I like that. Skims the trees at some point during when he flies around on his broom. Sometimes, yeah, and he like. It seems like a really pleasant thing to just. Yeah. So right maybe, above tree level.
2: Maybe that was wasn't
4: unless that in
2: book one.
0: Unless it's an, unless that happens.
2: Yes, <laughs> so. then it's not so great. <laughs> wasn't that in last book country. one when he overheard um quarrel and snake? Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. He goes into the forest on his broom. Yeah. yeah.
2: That's and
4: true. It, last continent. And we're going to jump across the Pacific to Asia.
0: They don't play now, Quidditch. Quidditch
4: has, <laughs> they don't play. They don't play a lot of Quidditch. No, because it's not reached a great popularity due to the flying carpet still being the preferred method of travel. Yeah. And it's noted in Wisp's book that the ministries of India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Iran, and I and Mongolia all regard Quidditch with great suspicion.
0: So I like this because this, to me, brings in an element of kind of acknowledging. That, that one one this kind of acknowledges that there may be there may in fact be religious beliefs still present in the wizarding world oh that's true because yeah we we know that there are because of course Rowling has been so kind as to confirm that there are students of different religions at Hogwarts, yeah um yeah, yeah. but it's it's kind of interesting to see that there might be perhaps a clash of magic mm-hmm. and religion in the on, on the Asian continent, and that may might mm-hmm. perhaps be the reason that Quidditch isn't really because yeah that that's been explained before. I believe it's mentioned a bit in in Goblet of Fire. Uh, I think so. That flying carpets are like still a thing,
2: but weren't and... they like mm-hmm. like outlawed in Britain or something? They're
4: trying to or... export them to Britain. Yeah, they're yeah, trying to was... get them
0: over to to Europe because yeah, there
2: was something that, that Barty Crouch Senior was saying about his some mm-hmm. grandfather or something had a flying carpet. But that was when they were still legal here. You know, legal,
0: that,
4: that whole
3: thing.
0: Yeah,
2: absolutely.
4: But yeah, they well, do have
0: they they do have Quidditch at least in on one in one country.
4: Yep. Five guesses, and the first four don't count. <laughs> Japan. <laughs> yeah,
0: Japan. Not surprising
3: at all.
2: <laughs> no, not <laughs> at all. <laughs>
4: um, Japan, I love Japan has the. I'm going to butcher this again. Toyo Hashi Tengu. I think that's Sound, actually correct. Sounds
2: good to me. I, I watch anime in Japanese, yes.
3: <laughs> With <laughs> sounds subtitles. Legit. <laughs>
4: sounds legit. Yep. Great. And um, while there's not much of note about them. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha The Japanese practice of ceremonially setting fire to their brooms in case of defeat is frowned upon (laughs) by the International Confederation of Wizards Quidditch Committee (laughs) by being a waste of good wood.
2: That was just perfect. (laughs) Because, yeah.
4: I absolutely love that little detail. I love it.
3: it
0: (laughs) I like that acknowledgement. Because, you know, Japan... The funny thing is, listeners, too, If you, if those of you who aren't from Japan, if you haven't monitored it through the years of the fandom, Japan is crazy about Harry Potter. And mm-hmm. they just lapped it up in kind of a way that, like, almost the rest of us didn't do in the same way. Um, they, you, you should watch some... Vi- There's a great video. Oh, my God. If you haven't seen it, there is a great video of this girl who won a contest from Japan to go to the set of Harry Potter... While they were filming. And she was told that they that she wasn't going to meet anybody. But that she was just going to get to see the sets. And she was perfectly fine with that. She could barely speak be. English. But she goes. She went to the set. And first thing that happened was she got to sit in Dumbledore's chair with the sorting hat on her head. Oh. And Daniel Radcliffe oh. popped up behind her. And was, oh and was oh. like, Gryffindor, I think. And she just flipped out. Oh. And it is the most adorable video ever. And she I went through a the whole... She popped in to the great hall and she met Emma Watson. She went oh. to a, like another hallway and Rupert Grint came up behind oh. her. Oh. Um, and she, like, touched his eyelashes because she had never seen ginger eyelashes. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. <laughs> it was it, oh, Again, I they lapped up Harry Potter in an extreme and different kind of way. As and per usual and that's with Japan. Beautiful. And ja- Reasons and yeah, I Japan, love them. Reasons I Japan love Japan. is one of those countries that just kind of loves to, like, they have such a rich kind of culture of their own yeah. that we have kind of, over in recent years, kind of... The, it, there's been a reversal and we're starting to kind of really lap up their culture. Yeah. Yeah. We, they have always been too kind of, they, 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 they have this rich culture of their own, but they also have created an amalgam that really welcomes yeah. a lot of Western culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that they are, you know, kind of big on Quidditch and that, and, and, and uh, in Quidditch through the ages, while France has a pretty stadium, Japan has the best stadium because theirs is over water. Uh, and, of course, yes.
3: that's <laughs> and awesome.
0: They definitely have the best team special move, and whenever they do anything, you you hear like anime like whip noises whenever <gasps> they move. Yes. So <laughs> yes. And their their team is just decked out in the most awesome gear. They look totally cool. So yeah. Japan, you're, you're rocking the Quidditch. We love you.
2: <laughs> so much. We love you so much. Yes. Very much,
0: yes. So, with all of those teams in mind, we'll hop and race through the development of the racing broom because Shannon's falling uh-huh. asleep. Yes. So <laughs> I really am. Let's
1: go. Chapter I 9. I've got to be awake in six hours.
0: Oh. We're going to finish this. We're going to finish this. Yes, we got this. We
2: can do it.
4: Oh, no. Let's go. right. So,
0: Chapter 9, the development of the racing broom. In the 19th century, brooms were incapable of high speeds and altitudes. Uh, I am going to go through this kind of in a timeline format. So in 1820, Elliot Smedwick invented the cushioning charm, which created an invisible cushion for your broom for added comfort, which was something I had been curious about, because as the book establishes, writing on a broom is very uncomfortable. It um, took
2: them a lot. time. I also time. love the little yeah. diagram of the cushioning charm on a broom.
0: Yes, it's a, it's a nice visual.
2: One well, just that it's like, you know, it's like a broom and a little like sort of dotted line for the for the cushion and then invisible.
0: Yes, <laughs> it's, it's just... not. You can't see it. Yeah, that's but, Yeah, it was a nice little nice little touch. Yes, it did yep. take a long time considering that brooms were being flown around the 900 Yeah. or so. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that was a while. Um, but uh one Everyone was the...
1: just like, I guess it's uncomfortable. What can you do? <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a great <laughs> game, it. I'm I mean... sure the uh, actors from the films would have loved a cushioning charm because they have all yeah. said that it was extremely uncomfortable riding the brooms. Um, yeah, I can see, one see that. The... <laughs> one of the first... Uh, known produced brooms kind of with a name was the oak shaft 79 which was cre- which was created in the 19th century by elias grimstone this broom had a higher endurance and could withstand high winds but it couldn't handle sharp turns at high speeds uh, it was famously used by which jocunda sykes who i'll talk about a little later because she comes up in 1935 um, but as we go into the 20th century, in 1901, we got the model, the Moon Trimmer, created by Gladys <laughs> Boothby, which achieved much better height, but demand outstripped supply, because we're still dealing with brooms that are being made by individuals, rather than mm-hmm. mass-produced. Well, you know
1: what? If Ollivander can make, like, every wand <laughs> used by someone in
0: Britain... I think these people can make some rooms.
4: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They also don't have the magical cores.
0: I, well, because I kind of feel like even though, like, wands... I feel like there's a difference, I guess, in the manufacturing. Because wands, wands don't necessarily have... Wands don't have charms on them. Like, I guess. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, and the
2: other thing like, is, I've always wondered if maybe, like, you know, since Ollivander's family has been doing this for, you know, centuries... You know, I would imagine that not every wand gets sold within the wand maker's lifetime well, necessarily, that's and so you know, maybe Ollivander that we know hasn't made all of the wands in his shop.
0: That would explain the massive amount of wands. I suppose. Yes, mm-hmm. that's true. That
2: really, you know, would. what what, what well, is it established? Three hundred something BC. <laughs> Three
0: hundred and I think eighty-two. Yeah, something so like that. Yeah. around for a while. Then we got the Silver Arrow, which was created by Leonard Jukes. Uh, This is considered to be the true forerunner of the racing broom. Uh, It went up to 70 miles per hour and was the fastest broom of its time. But once again, supply outstripped demand. But you can hear a nice little soliloquy about the Silver (laughs) Arrow from Madame Hooch in Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, Because when Harry presents his Firebolt to... um, uh, the team and Madam Hooch is present because she's oh, got to yes. be on the pitch. Since Sirius Black might be there, yes, um, she, she does give a nice little speech about the Silver Arrow she used to fly. Um, <laughs> <in> <laughs> we move on to the to 1926 with a very familiar name, Clean Sweep. Uh-huh. Uh, the clean, the clean sweep, the clean Yay. sweep, the clean sweep broom company debuts with the Clean Sweep One created by Bob Bill and Barnaby Allerton. Fun little (laughs) side note, they may be related to Gifford Allerton, who was a giant slayer who lived from 1390 to 1441. Cool stuff. Consider it very likely because there aren't that many surnames in the wizarding world. (laughs) True. If if you think somebody's
4: related,
3: they probably are. They probably are.
0: Yes. (laughs) This is the first mass-produced racing broom, so the Clean Sweep was the first one to have pretty massive success and was snatched up by every Quidditch team. Um, but that monopoly didn't last long because in 1929 their competitor came along. The Comet Trading Company debuted with the Comet 140. Um, it named the 140 because that's how many models it took for them to perfect it. Um, so it took a while. Good reason. This was, cre- this was created by Randolph Kitch and Basil Horton who at the time were players for the Falmouth Falcons This was patented. This included the patented Horton Kitch breaking charm. So there was a better breaking system on this broom. Uh, Mm -hmm. But following in 1934, Clean Sweep 2 got its release. And in 1935, Jocunda Sykes, who was born in 1915 and is on a wizard card, um, that's her first mention, actually, I believe, in the Chamber of Secrets video game. Ah. Um, She amazingly used an oak shaft. Um, to fly across the Atlantic. Uh, she... Whoa. she Which is really she, cool. <coughs> she is, uh, mm-hmm. seemingly meant to be, uh, the counter... The wizarding counterpart to Amelia Earhart.
2: Ooh, yeah. Um, had Luckily, that.
0: though, according to, uh, her wizard card, she's still alive, and she did not disappear in the Bermuda Triangle. Yay! Um... She... Well, actually,
4: over the Pacific. Yeah,
0: yeah that would have been the wrong Pacific. way. Yeah, that's right. So that's why she didn't disappear <laughs> Sorry. Yet. So if she goes flying <laughs> yeah. over the Pacific anytime soon, Over the, yeah. that mm-hmm. may not be a wise trip. But, yeah, um, exactly. the crossing was considered too dangerous for brooms, so that she was the first one to prove that it could be done. I would think now at least it would be a little safer with the current brooms. Um, Probably. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of one of the first in- instances in the canon that confirms that apparition across continents attempted is attempt is really not wise to do and it, it rarely attempted by none but highly skilled wizards um huh. well, like even voldemort on...
2: didn't because like in um in like towards the end when he's like the uh Malfoy manor chapter when harry's getting the flashes like soon he'd be close enough to apparate isn't there some line like that
1: yeah there is i think
0: yeah, there, there. One, it's just I, I think as far as operating, we've we've discussed before too that mm-hmm. there seems to be an element of if you don't, if you're not familiar with the destination, yeah, you makes sense. Would if be you have unwise to, to try to go there. Yeah, what is it? So.
2: Determination, deliberation,
0: destination, deliberation, de, destination, destination, deliberation. Three Ds.
2: Yeah. That the, one.
0: The three Ds.
2: Three Ds. So... <laughs>
0: But we move on through the 30s to 37. The Clean Sweep 3 has been released. And right afterwards in 38, the Comet 180 is released. Uh, in 1940, Ellerby and Spudmore, bless their little hearts, <laughs> debut the Tinder Blast. The, one of the love biggest failures. <laughs> the Tinder, Tinder blast. blast is resilient, but outrun by the Clean Sweep and the Comet. So it really doesn't have much to offer in the way of things. By the way, fun just little side note. This is basically the equivalent of going through, like, the Cars section of Consumer Reports. This- <laughs> <laughs> it is. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 1952, Ellerbee and Spudmore uh, tried once again with a new bottle. This one was <laughs> called the Swift Stick. So they just decided to ditch the Tinder Blast. Um, <clears throat> and it, it, is improved, uh, it does improve the Tinder Blast speed, but it loses power in its ascent. Unfortunately, Ellerbee and Spudmore never managed to get their brooms used by a professional Quidditch team. Uh, And although, comparatively, they didn't fail quite as big as... In 1958, Universal Brooms Limited debuted their company with the Shooting Star. It was the cheapest racing broom on the market but it was quickly discovered to lose speed and height with age. So it didn't really last very long. Um, it would seem, based on the evidence we have, that these are in fact the brooms that are used at Hogwarts. I believe in one book it might possibly even be mentioned that shooting stars are the brooms that they use. I think
2: use. so. I think Fred and George mentioned it or something. Or like Harry is has to ride them during practice while they're testing the fireball.
0: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think in Prisoner he has to write a shooting star.
2: I think so.
0: At so... least during
2: during practice, because he, he luckily enough they finished all their tests before the game.
0: Yes. Not, so not does... that McGonagall
2: yep. had anything to do with that, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Rather unfortunate, the brooms that the Hogwarts students have to ride. Yeah. Um, This might maybe even explain what happened to poor Neville with his broom. Oh, poor Neville. (laughs) Very true. May not have been all his fault if he was riding a shooting star. Uh, In 67, we have one of the major players... The Nimbus Racing Broom Company debuted with the Nimbus 1000, which could hit 100 100 miles per hour and make 360-degree turns at a fixed point in mid-air.
2: That is impressive.
3: Um,
0: As we would later see, subsequent models included the 1001 the 1500, the 1700, and as we know, the 2000 and 2001. These later two models are likely not mentioned in Quidditch Through the Ages because Rowling was trying to reflect through Wisp that it had been written before Harry's time.
2: Oh, that makes sense.
0: So it's a nice also, little acknowledgement of that.
2: I noticed that it was they could reach up to 100 miles per hour with a tailwind. So what was their actual top speed without any help? That's what I wonder. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. I mean regardless that is really fast. It is
0: still pretty fast. <laughs> I, I don't
2: I, mm, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a Gryffindor.
0: <laughs> Probably. But mentioning But uh reverting back to the uh Mammoth failure of <laughs> Universal Universal Brooms Limited not uh t- exactly 20 years uh after their founding Universal <laughs> Brooms Limited folded um they Couldn't make it in the broom industry. And we didn't get any um, more major uh, developments until the 90s when Flight and Barker debuted with the Twigger 90, which (laughs) included some very flashy features such as a warning whistle and a self-straightening brush, which sounds a lot like some of the cars we have today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are known to be flown, "Quote: Flown by wizards with more galleon than more, more galleons than sense." <laughs> now, Rowling actually kind of completed this history because that's where the history stops in the book. If you go, if, mm-hmm. if you want a further exploration, because of course, again, Rowling was acknowledging that there was a time kind of there was a timeline from for Wisp's book and it is meant the book is mentioned having been currently rereading it myself it's mentioned a lot in sorcerer's stone quidditch for the ages but uh, as a fun little tidbit in the late 20th century uh, the Nimbus racing broom company dominated its competition but uh, then and the 2000 2001 outsold all other brooms but little did Nimbus designers realize that a racing broom was in development that would knock them from their number one spot within twelve months of its release. The Firebolt was a top secret project developed by Randolph Spudmore. Interestingly, Randolph was the son of Abel Spudmore of Ellerby and Spudmore, who produced the Tinderblast. Aww, so oh my god, that <laughs> <it> return? Yes, <laughs> he did save his uh, his family his, name. His family name, yes. A skillful and innovative broom designer, Randolph was the first to use goblin made ironwork, including footrests, a stand, and twig bands, the secret of which are not fully understood but which seem to give the firebolt additional stability and power in adverse weather conditions, and a special non-slip foot grip that is of particular advantage to Quidditch players. So the model that you see in the movies with those footstands and everything, that does seem to be Accurate. canon to some degree. Yes. One thing, one thing we got right in the movies. Um, the handle is of polished ebony and the twigs mm-hmm. of birch or hazel according to personal preference birch is reputed mm-hmm. to give more oomph in highest sense whereas hazel is preferred by those who prefer hair trigger steering. the firebolt is a costly broom and interestingly as this Pottermore article reveals Harry Potter was among the first to own one ah. it continues to be made in relatively small quantities partly because the goblin workers involved in the patented ironwork are prone (laughs) to strikes and walkouts at the smallest provocation. So we might have to, unfortunately...
4: I love the goblins. Rudolph didn't
0: quite uh, have some forward thinking on that when he was enlisting the goblins to help. But uh, Pottermore also helped us out with some broom developments in the 21st century. We don't have a lot of information on it, Um, But the Quidditch World Cup in 2014 revealed that the Firebolts came out with... Their their current model is the Firebolt Supreme. Of course. Um, So get rid of your old Firebolts, kids. Firebolt Supreme is the new in-broom. Interestingly, the Firebolt Company has competition these days from the Thunderbolt Company... Um, who have produced... Uh, currently, their latest model, at least by 2014, was the Thunderbolt 7. Um, they uh, Though the Thunderbolt really doesn't seem to be a wise purchase, they appear to have sacrificed safety for speed, as was seen in the 2014 Quidditch World Cup, as they failed to hold up against Bludger Impacts... Uh, which is below standard for league-approved brooms. When they were hit by bludgers, they were found to actually go off course, um, which is not what a broom is supposed to do. Uh, We also got some interesting reveals. For a few international broom companies outside of of Europe, we got from Brazil, we've got the Varapidos, which essentially (laughs) means... They go quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> excellent name, excellent name. They they hopefully not false advertisement.
2: Hopefully not. In
0: Japan, we got Yajirushi, which <laughs> translates essentially to arrow sign. So <laughs> it's basically more translating to a concept. I would I, I would, would guess to be, of
1: go forward, Yeah,
0: moving forward quickly. Um, I hope. And uh those of us here <laughs> in America are in specifically in the US of A would seem to be using the Star Sweeper and if you've got the latest model you are using the Star Sweeper 21. Cool stuff. So that's what we're riding on over here. And that's Shannon really cool. is going to wrap up this this epic episode.
1: All right. With
0: a little bit of Quidditch from today or Supposedly. you know the 90s. Or really, maybe not so, so much. So yeah,
1: chapter ten is called Quidditch today, but that's not what it's about at all. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean,
1: the first paragraph is like Quidditch happens today,
3: <laughs> really, and it's great. <laughs> Tell, Tell us more, and
1: then um, after that, it's pretty much just a list of difficult moves that had been have been invented. By witches and wizards eager to push themselves in the game as far as they can go. Alright, so uh, the first move listed here is the bludger backbeat, which is essentially uh, backhanding the bludger with your club uh, rather than
0: hitting it forward. Which team was Um, the one who could do that really good? There was a team who could do that really good, right?
2: It was one of the international teams. Who was it?
0: It was was earlier
2: in the doc.
1: Somewhere else. Uh, The next one is the doppelbeater defense, where both beaters hit a bludger at the same time.
0: That's um, intense.
1: Resulting in a bludger attack of greater severity. Oof. Uh, The double-eight loop... Which is where the keeper swerves around all three goal hoops at high speed to block the quaffle.
0: I'm assuming that means is that like a like an infinity symbol? Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. I was yeah. That's how I picture it. I would assume because that would seem to effectively cover all three hoops, right? Yeah. 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 By but the way, it's... oh, I was just gonna say that the uh, we were thinking of the wrong move. The reverse pass, which you're gonna get to, is is the one we're looking at. Yeah. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll get there. Okay.
1: Um, the double eight loop is usually employed against penalty takers. So. Oh, you can do
0: that. Uh, that seems really unfair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the,
2: there's still a goalie and penalty for um, soccer. Yeah, that's so true. Still... Same premise. The
1: hawkshead attacking formation, which I love. This one, the chasers form an arrowhead pattern and fly together towards the goalposts. Which is I mean, <laughs> highly intimidating to opposing teams and effective in forcing other players aside.
2: I want to see the yeah, Hollyhead Harpies
0: chasers doing that. Yeah, you can actually watch totally. this move go down if if you play Quidditch World Cup. <sighs> Quite a few of the teams employ the Hawkshead attacking formation, and as a yeah. reminder, that was what was created by Darren O'Hare of the Kenmare Kestrels.
1: Uh-huh. True. Um, Parkins pincer. Uh, so named for the original members of the Wigtown Wanderers, who are reputed to have invented this move. Uh, two chasers close in on an opposing chaser on either side, while the third flies headlong towards
4: him or her. So, yeah. so it's like playing chicken on brooms. Yes, yeah.
0: we with didn't-
2: people coming at you from the sides.
0: This full move Ugh. isn't employed, but the first half of it is used in the Sorcerer's Stone movie when two of the chasers from Slytherin oh, yeah. tag team Angelina Johnson and take her out.
4: So, oh my gosh, you're right. Uh, yep.
0: Yeah. So that's kind of that
4: move.
0: Mm-hmm. They, they, they. I instead that, of the a yeah. third player, they just shove her into the stands
2: and <laughs> <laughs> just but, leave her crumpled on the ground.
0: <laughs> Rough game, Goodrich. That's that. That's a good move. That's a strong move.
1: Um, Plumpton Pass, which we've
3: <laughs> it has
1: come up earlier. Um, so it's a seeker move, a seemingly careless swerve that scoops the snitch up one sleeve, <laughs> and it's named after Roderick Plumpton, who was seeker of the Touchshell Tornadoes and caught the snitch in a record-breaking three and a half seconds in 1921. Um, and I like, it says, although some critics have alleged that this was an accident, Plumpton maintained until his death that he had meant to do
3: it.
2: I totally meant to do <laughs> <What>? that, guys.
3: <laughs> it's totally I Japan. like that
0: it's, it, it's that it's named Pass, and it's like, not passing a ball, but like, literally the ball is yeah. passing through your robes. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: clever. Very clever.
1: Yep. The Porscoff ploy... Ooh. Which is um, the chaser carrying the quaffle flies upwards, leading opposing chasers to believe they're trying to escape them to score, but then they throw the quaffle down to a fellow chaser waiting to catch it. Uh, it is named after the Russian chaser Petrova Porskov.
0: In my head, this is an awesome looking move. Yes. Yeah. That would take some mad skills because you have to. That's another thing about Quidditch World Cup and you'll that's why you'll if you play it you'll appreciate this move there are so many times when you throw the quaffle and you think your teammates are right next to you and there's just nothing and the quaffle just goes <laughs> drifting down <laughs> cuz you'll be what quidditch world cup sets sets up the chaser's moves as if you do them well you're doing what are called combo moves so mm-hmm. if you hit the buttons a certain way the the Quaffle just shoots really quickly between the chasers, and it, the screen will say combo 1, combo 2, combo 3, as the chasers catch it. And they do all these really fancy moves as they're catching the Quaffle. But, again, if you're not keeping track of your chasers, and they are flying out of your range, you'll be, like, confidently throwing combos, and then suddenly the other team will have stolen the Quaffle from you. And you're, like, right in front of the opposing goal hoops. So... Oh. The poor scuff ploy. That's a that's a strong that's a good move if you can pull it off. if you can mm-hmm. pass it off.
1: <laughs> well, and the next one we mentioned the reverse pass, yes. which has the shortest description. It just says a chaser throws the quaffle over one shoulder to a team member. Accuracy is difficult. <laughs> you
3: don't say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that was Africa's Chamba Charmers from yeah. Togo. Yeah. So. That's a pretty that's a pretty hard move I would imagine. yes um... hope you're behind me.
2: <laughs> it's rather like walking
3: backwards
0: <laughs> What if you what if you threw I, I could I could see that move ending with a lot of quaffles being thrown and smashing people's noses. Yes like is that oh yeah that's that's needs some accuracy.
1: And the moves really only get better from here. (laughs) The sloth grip roll, which is hanging upside down off the broom, gripping tightly with hands and feet to avoid a bludger.
0: Harry definitely did that. There is a card for this in the Harry Potter trading card game, and I think it actually depicts Harry doing this move. So and he, he looks terrifying. Probably had to do it in terrifying. a
2: chamber with the rogue bludger. <laughs> he
0: probably did
2: <laughs> multiple
1: times. The next one, the next one comes with a handy dandy figure, <laughs> <laughs> which I wrote that Kenilworthy Wisp is not as good of an illustrator as Newt Scamander. I think.
0: <laughs> I was going to say this may and if talking out. Out of the context of canon, this may possibly be Rowling's worst drawing of (laughs) But if she's... But it's appropriate. So this
1: is for the starfish and stick, which is when the keeper holds the broom horizontally with one hand and one foot curled around the handle while keeping all limbs outstretched. And my favorite thing about this is it then says, the starfish without stick should never be attempted. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
3: that's,
0: a, that's a really fun one, because I think the first time you read it, you have to think about it for just a split second. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah. No. <laughs> that, that's like a Darwin
2: <laughs> Award story. Yeah, it's like, I tried, great. but I, I thought I'd try it without the stick.
3: <laughs> so now I'm a Interestingly,
0: ghost. Interestingly... <laughs> the starfish and stick doesn't pop up in Quidditch World Cup but it does pop up in the Sorcerer's Stone PC game because you'll huh. just see the keeper randomly doing it sometimes so it's just <laughs> not even to like get little...
2: a quaffle
0: no yeah you'll just see the <laughs> players just like kind of slip off their brooms like that and then just pop back onto I'm their just brooms bored. That doesn't inspire much confidence in their flying skills. I feel like this is one of those moves that Ron would have done by accident during Half-Blood Prince. Oh yes, absolutely. I I think it's only effective if you definitely know what hoop they're going for, but I mean it sounds like you you really have to stage this with the knowledge of which hoop it's going to be, because if you set it up on the far left hoop, then they can go, the chaser can just go to the far right and be like...
1: <laughs> yep. And then you look really <laughs> ridiculous.
0: <laughs> yep. Yes, you do. We know Ron's good
2: at that.
1: So the next Poor thing. one...
3: <laughs> well,
1: the next one is the Transylvanian Tackle. This is first seen at the World Cup of 1473. This is a fake punch aimed at the nose. As long as contact is not made, the move is not illegal. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I mean, an
3: intimidation exactly. move. I like that.
0: This isn't even magic. It's just straight up punch you in the face. <laughs> yep. I like that.
1: Yeah, it has nothing to do with broomstick skill. It's just, I'm going to pretend to punch you in the face. Yeah, I
0: mean, wizards Mystico. are not opposed
2: to muggle dueling.
0: Yeah, I like that. Mm. That's true. I do feel like it's a little underwhelming considering what we've seen of Transylvania, but
2: (laughs) where the
3: bats?
0: Like, I feel like (laughs) this would be more threatening if it was like the Transylvanian bite, where the werewolves on the Transylvanian team look like they're going to take like bite (laughs) your nose off. But as long as their teeth (laughs) don't make contact, it's legal.
3: Oh my gosh! Oh. That's more
0: what I uh, see going on Transylvania, but That's okay. more
4: what I would picture, too.
0: Also, this is not a tackle, but okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the person probably tries to dodge and, like, falls, and it's like they were tackled.
0: No, I think this is yeah. just more of that desperate attempt at alliteration in Quidditch. Yes. Yeah.
2: I mean... It's, get, it's
0: getting sad now. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, he tried.
2: They are fond of their alliteration. Yes. (laughs) Alliteration is great.
1: This does not have alliteration.
0: Uh Uh-oh.
1: The Wollongong shimmy, which was (laughs) perfected by the Australian Wollongong Warriors, is a high-speed zigzagging movement intended to throw off opposing chasers. That's cool. Um, So I like that it's called shimmy. And then the last one in here we all know about is the...
0: Uh, <laughs> the classic
1: the Wansky faint
0: where the seeker
1: hurdles towards the ground pretending to have seen the snitch far below but pulls out of the dive just before hitting the pitch um, before, or it's named the named after wonky Polish seeker Josef wonky
0: faint. Wonky faint. <laughs> as for Hermione um, so
1: we know that Victor Crum used this in the 1994 Quidditch World Cup and it was unsuccessfully attempted in the 2014 Quidditch World Cup by German seeker Thorsten Pfeffer. Probably,
2: Pfeffer? Probably, yeah, Thorsten, Thorsten um, Pfeffer.
1: And he ultimately collided with the ground at 60 miles per hour Oof. and only survived uh-huh. because of, he was very quickly given Skelligro, but he had broken most of the bones <laughs> in his body and at least temporarily believed himself to be a Budgerigar.
3: <laughs> budgerigar. Budgerigar.
2: Which, oh, I'm pretty sure guys.
0: that's a parrot. Yeah, I was going to say that's a bird or some sort. I'm pretty oh.
2: sure it's so... a parrot. <laughs> named Klaus. Yeah, it's a parrot. <laughs> it's
0: <laughs> like a little That's adorable. parrot.
2: A German
3: parrot. Oh, that's amazing. That's fine. Ah, oh,
1: yes. <laughs> and then there's a little, like, final page yes. that has this paragraph that you could almost miss. So I figured I'd just read it out. Please. Uh, there... There can be no doubt that Quidditch has changed beyond all recognition since Gertie Kettle first watched those numb skulls on Quidditch March. Perhaps, had she lived today, she too would have thrilled to the poetry and power of Quidditch. Long may the game continue to evolve, and long may future generations of witches and wizards enjoy this most glorious of sports. And that oh. is Quidditch through the ages.
0: Viva la Quidditch!
1: I'm going to be honest, I think, I think that Gertie Kettle would not appreciate the poetry no. and power of
0: Quidditch today. No, she wouldn't. No. Not at all. No. <laughs>
2: Highly doubt it.
0: Gertie Kettle would be like, what a stupid She book. just strikes me
2: as that, yep, she's, she's that like, like. Like really, like set in her ways, old lady.
0: It's. I think that's fitting, though. That like I don't know the how to like it. The anyway. kind of originator recorder of Quidditch was the one who hated it the most. That's that's lovely little bit of uh, poetry there. Probably would be lost on her. Oh yes, but nice little tidbit.
4: Yep, more than mm. likely. So, thank you, Megan Foster, for being on the program yep. with us tonight. That was awesome. We enjoyed having you so much you're so much you're so funny, yeah, it was so fun
0: and I should also say um in addition to the excellent job that uh that Megan did, I want to also make sure and thank Lauren and Shannon for stepping in for us um kind of a little bit last Aww. minute and getting some great notes in here. Yeah. And Shannon's almost falling asleep, but she's got to get up for work. But she did a great job. And Lauren, you did a great job as a yes. newbie intern at MuggleNet. She
4: did. Yay. We, you Woo. all did. Ah.
0: And this episode.
4: We all did a great job.
0: This episode is ridiculous. Re- ridiculously long. It, it may is. not turn out this way, listeners, in the final edit, but it is almost three hours long. Yep. So we'll see. <laughs> oh, we'll God. see how that goes. Probably mostly because I sang. But yes,
2: <laughs> but that, that needs. But to that's stay.
1: the best part hey, of we it. We enjoyed it. <laughs> but
0: we, yes, we can't. We don't take need that to release no. the
1: other two hours and
3: <laughs> fifty-five. <laughs> of blah blah blah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Of, of Kenilworthy worthy <laughs> whispers going on and on and on. Um, and, and we didn't even include all of the extra bits about quidditch like all of the stuff that's been written by Rowling, and we encourage you listeners to go check it out and maybe yes. we will explore that in future absolutely on Alohimura in a topic episode um and yes shannon tell us more about that
1: if you want to submit we're about to start topic episodes right this is the last yes, like, book this episode is the this last is crazy book yeah. episode so Alohomora will now be doing topic episodes and you can submit a topic by going to the Alohomora main site, um, and going to the submit page and suggest a topic. And, uh, if you want to be on the show, like any of us who are on the show today,
0: um, <laughs> cause you're all, ba- you're all guests as or much ever. as hosts, <laughs>
1: um, if you have a set of Apple headphones, then that's all you need. Um, but if you not have like any there's, other there's, sort of microphone and headphone. <laughs> yeah, then you're there's good there's too. more stuff. There is, but, you but know. Apple
0: headphones. Apple headphones are are good. You don't
1: need. Yeah, fancy equipment. Nope. Yeah. Um, and so you can you can go on the main page and, uh,
0: ask to be on the show. And Lauren, tell them how they can keep in touch with us.
4: Well, there's the Twitter at at AlohomoraMN. And then there's the facebook.com slash open the Dumbledore. Our website, alohomora.mugglenet.com. Or you could send an owl to audioboom at alohomora.mugglenet.com but please keep it under 60 seconds.
0: Yep, that way we can play it on the show and we can fit it in. Obviously, we didn't have time for any of those because there was some very important singing to do. Yes, absolutely. We're definitely going to be wanting to hear your listener voices on future topic episodes because while the school books were kind of just little self-contained episodes, uh, we definitely want to... uh, get you guys kind of more back into the conversation as we go forward with topics. And speaking of getting you guys in on the show, we want to remind you one more time to check out our Patreon page. You can sponsor us at patreon.com slash alohomora. You can sponsor us for as low as $1 a month. It helps to keep alohomora going past the main episodes into our topic discussions, and it also allows us to do extra special stuff, as we mentioned before, like uh, exploring doing Let's Play videos. As I mentioned Quidditch World Cup many times, maybe you can finally see me play the game. I Um, would watch that. I do have... I do like to fancy that I have fairly entertaining commentary when I play that game. Based on movie so, watches, I'd
4: say so. You are so. a fairly entertaining person.
0: <laughs> I would I would <laughs> hope so. I'd love to play it with somebody. Unfortunately, Rosie and I will be playing games on uh, different continents, and we won't be able to join oh. up uh, on Quidditch World Cup because uh, the, uh, ca- no. the capacities for that had not been developed quite yet um, at the game's development. But we will at least be able to play the game a little bit and now that you guys have helped us out on Patreon and before we outro I just want to say this has been a pretty amazing experience going through these school books I think the general consensus from the listenership is that uh, a lot of people haven't explored the school books terribly in depth actually because they were a more recent piece of potter history and a lot of even devoted potter fans have only kind of glimpsed them once or twice yeah, and I mean, I think it's I, safe to say... Oh, go ahead. I go ahead, maybe. I
2: hadn't actually read Quidditch through the ages, so for the last couple of days I've been sprinting through it in my very, very short spare moments. And I still haven't read Fantastic Beasts. I keep meaning to... Yeah. I know, <gasps> I know. I'm a terrible Harry Potter fan. It's been on and my I'm- list of things to read, but I, I kept being like, oh, no, I'll, I'll order that the box set from Barnes & Noble. And I just keep forgetting.
1: Even before we we're gonna have a Fantastic Beasts podcast, and before there was gonna be a movie, like I read Fantastic Beasts a lot.
2: I mean, yeah, I was like at... so easy. Oh, oh, yeah, I, I don't doubt. Given that it was what one episode, yeah. right? So
3: I gathered yeah, it's did one pretty quick
0: here. Listeners, again, go wild with comments this week. We know you've been kind of slowing down because we haven't been asking a lot of questions, but we do want to hear. We definitely want to hear favorite Quidditch teams, favorite Quidditch moves. And help us out with fleshing out this plot for Gwinnog Jones and the Holyhead. Yes. We? please. We, we need
2: a thread that. for that. Yes.
0: Get it
4: going now. <laughs> Savage skies.
0: <laughs> it's going to be a thing. It's going to be a thing. But for now, yes. we, oh my gosh. we close our copies of Quidditch Through the Ages. We hop on our Firebolt Supremes because we're just that yes. good. And we fly off yes. from this episode. I am, that cool. I am Michael Harley.
4: I am Shannon Mickelson. And I'm Lauren Littler. Thank you for listening to episode 196 of Aloha Mora.
1: Open the Dumbledore.
4: (laughs) That's it. That's the (laughs) one. That was perfect.